This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site, we give them away. So uh, do enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Starting things out here tonight. Talk about We'll talk about Ron Paul. It's been a little while since we've done a Ron Paul-related story. There has been, I guess, hasn't really been too much going on. Summertime's kind of slowed down a little bit. I guess they've got a debate coming up towards the end of this month, as I understand it. I believe that's correct. Is that the Iowa caucus debate or something like that? I thought they had the Iowa debate. I'm going to go um, go do a little looking on this. I haven't seen anything on it on the uh, Ron Paul. I I get all their little emails and then on on a couple of message boards. They haven't mentioned the debate coming up, but that doesn't mean there isn't one. Well, at this point, uh, Reason Magazine has taken a look at the Ron Paul campaign or the Ron Paul phenomenon, which uh, it may may be more apt to call it that, um, in that he's really, and it's not even him, he hasn't done anything. It's just been this sort of tremendous Internet-based response that has just sprung up. Dece- it's a totally decentralized campaign. Uh, looking at the Ron Paul movement from a, uh, from a libertarian perspective, from a decentralist perspective, really shows how effective decentralization is. Sure. You have to have a lot of people on your side um, you know, for decentralization to work. In right. this case, uh, a lot of people want liberty. A lot of people like the anti-war message that he has going. So sure. it, it resonates with people. Now, for a what, 71-year-old guy, he's humping. I mean, he's, he's out there. He's, he's getting some work done. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I yeah. think I saw some about him being in California, first interview at 6 a.m., last yeah. one at 11 p.m. So to say that he's, he's not, not working, that, that's not really fair. He's doing as much as all the other candidates. It's just the, all the other candidates don't have the kind of grand, groundswell of support that Ron exactly. Paul has, exactly. um, as evidenced by the amount of money he has in the bank. I mean, he's the, he's the number three guy in, uh, in, on the Republican three, side. number three now? I didn't realize that. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, he is, uh, it's Giuliani. Um, Romney, Romney, and then uh, Paul. Excellent. And he's just behind Romney. Just to, really? Yeah, he's uh, Romney. I think had. Oh gosh, now now we're coming. Now this is in a quarter. We're not talking total fundraising. We're talking in a quarter. I saw these numbers, okay, <laughs> and I can't tell you. I, mean, okay. I don't have them sitting in front of me, but I can tell you that uh, you know uh, Giuliani had Giuliani had like twenty million or something like that, some hmm. high number, and then uh, it was uh, Romney at three point one, and then Paul at two point. Three or 2.6 or something like that. Jesse Walker reporting at Reason.com. Among other firsts in his campaign, Ron Paul's probably the only presidential contender to be compared to a Samuel L. Jackson movie. The Texas congressman, a dark horse candidate for the Republican nomination, was being lightly grilled by Kevin Pereira, a host on the video game-oriented cable channel G4. Did you see that G4 interview, Mark? No. It's pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, it, it was good because they approached him on some issues that he doesn't typically get asked about, um, sort of how the Google um, interview went. They, okay. they covered a bunch. Did you see the Google one? I, you know, I decided not – I'm, I'm not watching interviews anymore on him just really? simply because I believe everything he says pretty much. That's not the reason you watch the interviews, Mark. The reason you watch the interviews is to see how he handles the questions, how he's, you know... He's done so good uh, previously that I just well, haven't I haven't felt motivated to, to watch the interviews. He's doing so you well. Should ch- you should I'm, check the I'm Google checks, one out. I'm I, but I'm not watching the interviews. You really should see the Google one, because uh, there's a huge audience there, and you know it's it's the Google crowd. They, uh, you know, they were all in... The, the, he went and toured the Google campus, which is apparently this just amazing place with all kinds of neat things going on, but uh, they, they really asked some very intelligent questions. You could tell the interviewer he got it. 
And he was some a- he was asking questions based on the mindset of somebody who was just getting it right. He mm-hmm. sort of you could tell he was a really sharp guy. I mean, he works for Google, right? You got to right. be pretty yeah, bright. man. Um, they can they can pick anybody they want. Right. They could have somebody as smart as Toby. <laughs> and so you could really tell um, that this guy was sort of catching on, but he still had some, some concerns, and Ron Paul just, you know, just batted him pretty much all out of the park. Nice. Um, he kind of faltered a little bit on the immigration issue, but then he ended up kind of picking up the ball and, and actually sort of swinging it towards a more pro-immigration view towards the end of his answer on that one. So yeah, it's, it seems like he's kind of like, we'll get our, order, our border in order, and then we'll uh, start letting, uh, you know, we'll get our immigration policy in order after that. Kind Sounds like he's walking a, t- a tightrope, like yeah. a mental tightrope on that to. one. Um, now, I have those numbers on the uh, fundraising. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It fundraising. says, uh, the bottom line is always the most important in any fundraising effort. Receipts, expenses, plus cash on hand minus debt. Here are the net campaign assets as of July 1st. So these are assets, campaign assets. What, what they, they have. Got, what they have in the bank. Um, Giuliani has uh, 18.3 mil and uh, 15.2 for primary. I don't know what that means. Um, I would assume that another three million he can't use for the primary. Whatever. Whatever. Romney has three point two, and Paul wow. Paul has uh, two point four mil. Romney's been buying a whole bunch of radio ads. I know that much. McCain one point five. McCain's in the crapper. He's gone. Tancredo. Yeah. Plus he's got everybody quitting on him too. Tancredo, right? Brownback, Huckabee, uh, Thompson, Gilmore's gone, and all those guys are less than a mil. So you can you write them off. They're bottom tier guys. McCain, he's gone. So you know Paul's number three. He's top tier now. That's awesome. He's news. come from uh, dark horse to top tier. Now he's not he's not the front runner. Giuliani is, but I just cannot. A see... A lot can happen in six months. I mean, as we've Absolutely. seen already. Uh, look at Clinton. I mean, he was way in the back too at the, uh, this time uh, in the uh, primary race. You know, Giuliani. I can't see Republicans getting behind this guy. He's not terribly. He's not a terribly religious guy, so he doesn't have that going for him. All he's got he's going no for him is that he was the mayor of New York. Yeah. Really, that's it. He's gotten a hit on that uh, recently too, with the firefighters releasing yeah, the a video. Firefighters saying that union they don't said, want him or anything like that. Right, really. So, and, you know, if 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 anybody can say something about bad about the mayor and get away with it, it's the, the firefighters. firefighters. Sure. Yeah, I was looking at some other numbers that said, well, talked about military people donating to different campaigns, and Ron Paul outnumbered them by a long yes. shot with the uh, military members. That's correct. Um, in not only the army, the navy, the now Marines. this is guys who are fighting the war. Right. Out right. There. All you chicken hawks who are listening who think it's a great idea we're in Iraq, the military members are donating um, by a landslide to a guy who wants to get us out of this stupid war. Yeah, they're they're ready to come home. And it's not only the military number, members, it's also the veterans, the ones that are out of the military, who yep. can see it too. So it's not just, we want to come home for us. It's This is the good of the country for everyone. We, not just the people who are there, but the people who fought there in the past, and for everybody else. So, I mean... We may just be uh, seeing the very beginnings of a snowballing effect with, uh, with the Ron Paul campaign. I mean... The more debates he's in, the more money he raises, the more attention the media is going to pay to him, and the more the uh, the more attention he gets, the more people are going to see him, the more money he's going to raise. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to get everybody's hopes up, but this really could be something. It looks good to me. I, I you know, I'm I'm writing checks to his campaign for a reason. I, you know, obviously my checks aren't going to do it. I'm I'm not a rich man by any stretch of the imagination, but right. I just believe in putting your money where your mouth is. You say you want liberty. You say you want um, you know, America to be back on the right track. Get out your checkbook. Yeah. I mean, this is it. This is the chance for the true believers, the people that believe in liberty, they believe in small government. You've got your one shot. Ron Paul is the only guy we've managed to get elected so far to the the Congress. He's the only libertarian um, who really has any kind of credentials. And look, he's 71. He's not coming around again. Yeah, this is it. 
I mean, you know, give till it hurts. This is, you know, this is Bible, but this is pulpit pounding time. Well, one good thing that I've seen that's a little bit hopeful on this is I was looking at some of the numbers on how many people contributed to this two point whatever million. Oh, that's and be huge number. It's a huge number of people. People are writing checks like a hundred dollars, yeah, fifty dollars. A lot of people giving small amounts, which means they're going to be able they're to come back people. around again. And yep. they're talking to their friends yep. and family members. And right. yeah, and it also means that it's not just a few people coughing up everything they're going to give for them all at once. It right. means here's some money. Now when you come back around again, we're going to be able to give again. So this is looks like it can repeat every time itself he over goes and on, over again. Every time he goes on a debate, and he, he performs well, which seems to be every time he goes on a debate, I'm excited, I write another check. So far we got debate check for me, every time there's a debate there's a check. Right, and if we're lucky, uh, old McCain will drop out before the next debate, and then he'll have a little bit more time to talk, because that other guy dropped off, Gilmore, whoever. Gilmore's out of there. And so that leaves you with nine, and presuming if Fred Thompson doesn't jump in, then, I mean, nine candidates means he'll have just a little bit more time to talk in the debate. Eight means he'll have a little bit more than that, and so on and so forth. So should be very interesting to continue to watch as it develops. Now, the, back to the snakes on a plane reference. He was asked by the host of the G4 television show, quote, Young people online, they were really psyched about snakes on a plane, but that didn't translate into big ticket sales for Samuel Jackson, Peria said. Are you worried that page views on a MySpace page might not translate to primary votes? Well, the reference was to the Internet Sensation of 2006, an action movie whose cheesy title and premise had sparked a burst of online creativity. Mashups, mock trailers, parody films, blogger in-jokes. Hollywood interpreted this activity as buzz, and New Line Cinema inflated its hopes for the movie's box office take. Now, when the film did instead about as well as you'd expect from a picture called Snakes on a Plane, the keepers of the conventional wisdom declared that this was proof of the great gulf between what's popular on the Internet and what sells in the material world. But as you might imagine, it's Reason Magazine, so they're going to explain why there's some significant differences between Snakes on a Plane and the Ron Paul campaign. And there's some uh, some interesting takes on here, plus an opportunity for me and you to make a truce, Mark. Oh, no. That's coming up. It's Free Talk Live. with you. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231+. Plus, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free. Live streams included broadband version of the show, dial-up version as well, for free at freetalklive.com. Did you know that 9 out of 10 lawsuits in the world are filed right here in the United States? Any number of lawsuits, court orders, or greedy bureaucrats could leave you and your family penniless. At KeepYourAssets.net, they're experts in sheltering your wealth. You'll see that KeepYourAssets.net can help you be protected against those that wish to take your assets. That's KeepYourAssets.net. We're talking about Ron Paul, and when he was recently on the video game channel G4, they they actually have a TV channel dedicated to video games. Why is it called G4? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I don't, don't watch I'm, television. Um, so anyway, he was on there, and uh, the interviewer said, referenced the movie Snakes on a Plane, which was sort of this internet sensation, or at least it was perceived to be an internet sensation, and the internet buzz didn't translate into big box office take for Snakes on a Plane. So he sort of he brought that up to Ron Paul as he was being interviewed and said, aren't you worried that views on a MySpace page might not translate into primary votes? So what the film, when the film did about as well as you expect from a picture called Snakes on a Plane, and we'll get to Ron's answer to that question in a moment, the keepers of the conventional wisdom declared this was the proof of the great gulf between what's popular on the Internet and what sells in the material world. 
Now, Ron Paul is popular on the Internet as well, with more YouTube subscribers than any other candidate, the fastest-growing political presence in MySpace, a constant perch atop the Technorati rankings, and a near-Olympian record at winning unscientific web polls. Like snakes on a plane, he's the subject of scads of homemade videos and passionate blog posts. Mm -hmm. When Peraria mentioned the movie, he was making a clear comparison. Yeah, your online fans are noisy, but will their enthusiasm actually translate into electoral success? It's an interesting analogy. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I, at, th- at this point, when they do the polls, you know, they call around to get, um, you know, talk to people, and they, they talk to uh, likely Republican voters. Ron Paul gets 1% or 2%. So, because the conventional wisdom about snakes on a plane is backwards, the reason the online anticipation for snakes didn't translate into big ticket sales is because there actually wasn't much online anticipation for the movie. Yes, some of those parodyists were interested in seeing the finished film, whose notoriety has given it minor cult status, but the others couldn't care less about the studio's product. Their online activity was an end in itself, a great big belly laugh at the expense of goofy, high-concept movies. Their riffs and spoofs were far more entertaining than any actual feature about airborne reptiles was actually to be. Those fans weren't waiting for the show. They were the show. So he's saying that all the hubbub surrounding Snakes on a Plane was more about the hubbub than the, than the movie itself. Right. More, about, more about the parodies, more about the, um, you know, the... The things that the, uh, the the people were creating than about the actual um, final final product. That's one difference between Snakes and Paul. The congressman's fans really do want him to do as well as possible in the polls, but victory isn't the only thing on their minds. For many of them, it isn't even the topmost thing on their minds. Like those snakes on a plane spoofs, the grassroots activity around Paul's campaign is interesting and valuable in itself. Here are three reasons why. It's transpartisan. Paul's fan base stretches all the way from Howard Phillips to Alexander Cockburn. His libertarian message has resonance, as you'd expect, among free marketeers, dismayed by the GOP's love affair with federal spending. It's also attractive, as you'd expect, to lefties who'd like his opposition to the Iraq War and the post-9-11 incursions on our civil liberties. But the race has no shortage of anti-spending conservatives and anti-war liberals. Paul is especially appealing to people who don't fit the uh, the narrow stereotypes of blue and red. To decentralist Democrats, anti-imperialist Republicans, and a rainbow of independents. And there's no doubt about that. I mean, the, the liberty message really does cut across the entire political spectrum. And it really gets people excited from all over the place. It also gets people excited who have never voted before, even, who just never right. even saw a point in the system. They didn't have a chance to get disheartened by voting for one of the two evils because they saw it for what it is and just decided not to vote in the first place. I think that there are going to be people, I, absolutely, I think you're absolutely correct, that there are going to be people that have never voted before that had um, even something against voting, voting yeah. for Ron Paul. I think you're right about and that. And I think those people need to go out and register Republican today. <laughs> Now, here's my uh, truth. As painful as it may be, I can tell you, <laughs> you that know, it, it hurts uh, me a little. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm still not registered as a Republican. You don't need to register as a you Republican. You can do it the You're same day, dude. It's no big deal. That's good news. Yes, but not everybody Everybody lives in uh, New Hampshire and has that same advantage. I know in Florida you have to be registered a month out. 30 days out, yeah. Now, um, I'm going to pause the article for a moment here, Mark, and offer an olive branch of, of peace to okay. you. Okay. Uh, I feel as though I've been vindicated. Uh, Reason Magazine, using the term free marketeers... In that paragraph, did you notice that? I did not. I didn't, I, I didn't slip that in there. That's actually in the story. His I, I, I didn't even notice, uh, notice it would being said. I've heard it so often. His point. libertarian message has resonance, as you'd expect, among free marketeers dismayed by blah, blah, blah. Okay. So uh, I feel as though I've been vindicated that the term free marketeer, it, uh, I think it was, it was already out there before I started promoting it, uh, but now... 
here it is in a uh, in a respected libertarian publication. Well, you are credited as uh, having coined the term on Wikipedia. Yes, yeah, that's that, that's just Wikipedia. Anybody can write anything there. But uh, what I wanted to do, because you love to call me an anarchist on the air, it, it, and I like to correct you on that, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure, and it, because every time you do it from here out, if you continue to do it, if you refuse my olive branch, and I haven't made my proposal yet. Okay. Uh, but every time you do it, I will correct you by saying that anarchists believe in no rule, while free marketeers believe in the rule of the marketplace, the voluntary, the natural voluntary order that the marketplace brings. I think there is a significant difference between the two terms, beyond all the pop culture misinterpretation of, of the word anarchist. Now then, um, you are a minarchist, technically, but you'd like to be called a libertarian. My <laughs> olive branch is that... If you agree to call me a free marketeer, I'll agree to call you a libertarian. You know, I, I, I understand that you're rankled by being called a um, an anarchist. That's it's not accurate. It, well, and, and the problem the problem I see with the term free marketeer is it's um it, it's it's under use. Um, if I if I call myself a Fleeblebosom. Oh, don't be silly. It's right here in a mainstream uh, magazine. Well, Reason is um, is an academic magazine read by maybe... Uh, you it's know, mainstream for libertarians. Tens of thousands of people, tops, and maybe how many of them are going to read that particular article? I mean, obviously more have heard it now that we've read it. Millions have heard yes. it now that we've read and it. And more will hear it if you start using it too, Mark. But, um, but my concern is is that simply people don't know what the hell you're talking about when you say free marketeer. Like that's what that's my fine. Is. I don't care. I don't want. I don't. I don't want them to have any preconceived notions about what I'm saying. You no, know, in the same sense though, they don't understand what you're saying if you call Ian an anarchist. Oh no, no, they'll understand it as a bomb throwing maniac. Exactly. That's what people think of when they hear the word anarchist, and that's not. I'm not a bomb thrower. It's, it, I'm nonviolent. I'm just. I'd like some people to call in with their thoughts on it. I really would. Are you going to have to think this over? I really am because I, it's my my concern is. is I for, think it would help is you. For, to be Joe Beer Can out there, he doesn't have any idea what a free marketeer is. That's fine. Most people don't know what libertarians really if, are. If Mark. you caveat free marketeer one set of every three times with "I believe in the uh, ruling force of the marketplace," you know, like I'm a free marketeer, I believe in the ruling force of the marketplace. If you will say rip, whip that out every, you know, I think two I don't like times, ruling force. I think voluntary fine. order. Uh, it's much nicer. You come up with your, your your short sentence for what a free marketeer is. You define it when you use it most of the time, some of the time. All right, so do we have a temporary truce then? I, I can live with that. You will be a libertarian I don't as long really as I can be a free marketeer. You call me a minarchist or a libertarian or any of those terms. The words are important, Mark. It do, but they do don't, we have it a truce? It doesn't matter to me. Do we have a truce? <laughs> we have a truce. Toby, you're a witness to this. But you can, I'm, I'm letting you off on your end. 9231. You don't have to call. You can call me whatever you feel you, like. You're a liber- libertarian, Mark. Fine. Congratulations. I, More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Ian says so. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. 
And Mark. You can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go, all the features on the site. We give them away, updates included. Get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show at updates.freetalklive.com. I sent out an update today, as a matter of fact, announcing that we are doing yet another auction. Did I send that update? I think I sent it. Yes, I did send it. Uh, anyway, doing an auction for the second, excuse me, not the second, the fourth banner on our website. You can get it for an entire month. If you go to auction.freetalklive.com, bidding starts at, I think, 99 cents. So, great way to promote your product, service, or favorite charity, or whatever the heck you want to promote. Your band? I don't know. Uh, go to auction.freetalklive.com and place your bid. Talking about the Ron Paul campaign and the, the question of whether or not all of this internet popularity for Ron Paul is really going to translate into real-life poll results. So... Um, Reason Magazine is sort of analyzing this. They point out that there are three reasons why uh, the grassroots activity Paul's campaign uh, around Paul's campaign is interesting and valuable in itself, beyond whether or not he even wins. First of all, it's transpartisan. It goes across political boundaries. People on all, all people from all political affiliations and even non-political people are getting excited about the Ron Paul campaign. Secondly, the Internet makes it easier for such dispersed minorities to find each other, and the congressman's candidacy has given them a new reason to seek each other out. When Pittsburgh's Ron Paul backers gathered via their meetup site, which arranges get-togethers for users who share a common interest, the blogger Mike Tennant attended. I guess you're supposed to know who he is. Uh, He found at least one Democrat, at least one anarchist, several disillusioned Bush supporters, a member of the Libertarian Party, and a member of the right-wing Constitution Party, as well as a whole room full of folks disillusioned with the two-party duopoly, all at the the meetup group in Mm. Pittsburgh. The one thing that unites us all is a desire to have a president who actually believes in liberty and has a record to match his rhetoric. Which most of these candidates never do. Right. It's all a bunch of hot air. People know that politicians lie. They get it. And in Ron Paul, they see a guy who's stuck to his principles time and time again. Sure has. Paul's fans have been arguing forcefully for their candidate at both the conservative web hub Free Republic and its liberal counterpart Daily Koss, where to be sure they're met by angry opposition from more conventional Republicans and Democrats, mm-hmm. uh, meaning the ones that don't think too hard. It's idea-driven. This is this is the second reason, actually. Were you wondering about how Paul, uh, were you wondering about how Paul answered the question about snakes on a plane? And again, just to recap the question for you, it was. Uh, young people online, they were really psyched about snakes on a plane, but that didn't translate into big ticket sales for Sam Jackson. Are you worried that page views on a MySpace page might not translate into primary votes? Paul said, I don't worry much about that at all. I worry about understanding the issues and presenting the case and seeing if I can get people to support these views, unquote. He's He's doing a better and better job of reorienting his answers to the message to getting it back to the basic core message that he's trying to purvey, which sort of reminds me of Harry Brown. Harry Brown was very good at taking any question and sort of reworking it into his main campaign themes. Important to do that. It's important to not, not let them lose you in the interview or try to confuse you, that sort of thing. Some politicians are in this race, says Reason, because they really want to run the country. Some of them are in it because they want to be vice president or secretary of state or extract some other prize from the eventual nominee. Paul. But these these prizes, um, what these really mean are, you know, it's money and trips and and power from lobbyists and all these organizations. They just want the money and they want the sure. trappings of power. He wants to get votes, 
But, of course, like Henry Clay, he'd rather be right than be president. And unlike Clay, he really is right most of the time. For Paul, it's a victory just to be on stage with Rudy Giuliani, arguing for a non-interventionist foreign policy because it serves as a reminder that it's possible to be a fiscal conservative with bourgeois cultural instincts and yet oppose the occupation of Iraq and the effort to extend that war into Iran. That novelty, coupled with his fans' online activity, has earned Paul a rash of television interviews. In the last two months, he's appeared on This Week, The Daily Show, Tucker, Lou Dobbs Tonight, and The Colbert Report, among other venues, raising his profile far above other second-tier candidates. Each appearance is an opportunity not just to ask for votes, but to express his anti-statist ideas, spreading a message rarely heard in the context of a presidential campaign. Which, by the way, it seems to me that Ron Paul, just as an aside... It seems to me the existence of Ron Paul in this presidential uh, contest is evidence on its own against this whole New World Order conspiracy. Okay. Right? Because all these New World Order types, these conspiracy theorists, they think that this world is being controlled by an evil cabal of dark-cloaked men who meet in secret rooms in the Bohemian Grove and sacrifice babies to Moloch. You know, the, the Illuminati and all that other crap. I mean, if there really was this group of powerful bankers that... Uh, and I, I, there are certainly people in search of power in this world. No doubt about it. But if there really was this evil cabal, then why wouldn't they have... I mean, why wouldn't they have just headed Ron Paul off at the pass? Well, I'm not sure that they believed that uh, Ron Paul was going to make it around the pass, as it were. Uh, right, and, but there's a still... certain point at which you can see, whoa, this guy's getting to the baits. He's putting these ideas out there on national television. These are dangerous ideas to people in power. And so there's a real incentive. I'm telling you, Mark, I can, you know, I can put myself in the shoes of somebody who's evil and wants to take control of the world. I would put, uh, I would. I would shut him down at any cost. Well, I've heard, I've actually looked into a little conspiracy on this, and what they uh, they say is that it's all re- it's part of the conspiracy. His poll numbers really should be up higher, but they're being um, put down by <laughs> the conspiracy. The people who um, are in the conspiracy are in the con- uh, the poll numbers, and even if he did win the vote, it would never come out that way. So that's, that's so ludicrous. That's what I've heard they're saying on that is. Yeah, but but the the poll numbers can be easily explained. They only call uh, registered Republicans right. who vote in a primary, which are the most hardcore of hardcore partisans. Uh, also, they only call on landlines, so therefore it's only the old people that answer the calls. There's and, plenty of yeah. logical reasons to explain that. Uh, the, the illogic is simply that if indeed what these conspiracy theorists say is true, is true, and that is that there's an evil cabal of people controlling the world by force, and they are very uh, plotting, and they have the ability to take down the trade centers and all these other you know absurd claims. Then why wouldn't they be able to bump off an old, uh, an old seventy-one-year-old man? Well, I mean, how hard is that? Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm um, completely uh, off the side of the, the conspiracy theorists in this one. I kind of feel like if Ron Paul were to get really close to the Republican nod, you think if, they'd bump he, him off? He, I, I'm not saying he, they're going to bump him off. Well, that's the only way to get rid of him. Um, it's, it would be the way to get rid of him, but I think that right, they could you figure get out, rid of him, they, so people can figure out some way to preempt his uh, run for the presidency. Somewhere or another. But the problem is, the longer they wait, Mark, the more damage is done. You see? The ideas are spreading, and that's what's dangerous to them. It's not Ron Paul himself. It's the ideas that are dangerous. Like in V for Vendetta, it's the ideas that are the issue. I understand that, but do the... do the the, the 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 cabal of evil Jewish bankers understand that it's ideas, well, or, or do they just care about the power? If they're as if they are really as powerful as they're rumored or to be, or at least as smart um, as smart enough to get as powerful as they're right, rumored to be, right? You can't be stupid and get to be that powerful. So how they could just sit back and let all this happen just as evidence that it's not true. There is no conspiracy. Yes, there are people in positions of power that would like to marginalize Ron Paul. 
the people in charge of the national news networks who have ties to the Giuliani and they have ties to all these big power mongering guys in Washington. There's no doubt that there are people that are turning the cranks on whatever mechanisms they can to keep him as as far down in the polls and you know as far uh, getting as little attention paid to him as possible. But uh, you know that's just not going to cut it. Oh, Ian, you're just being paid to say that. These ideas are very powerful. And, uh, you know, whether it's Ron Paul out there spreading them or Free Talk Live, uh, more people are going to start talking about them. More people are going to discuss liberty as a result of this campaign. And that's going to lead more people down the road that we've all come down and inevitably to their eventual demise, the uh, the power mongers. Anyway, let's continue here. So he's been on a whole bunch of television shows recently, which has raised his profile above other second-tier candidates. And... uh, each appearance is an opportunity to express his anti-statist ideas. The campaign also has taken on a life of its own. This is the third example. Okay. After Jesse Jackson's populist campaign did unexpectedly well in 1988, many of his supporters hoped the Rainbow Coalition would become an independent grassroots force. But Jackson was more interested in his own political career, and he opted to make it a smaller group that he could be in control of. Yeah. Similarly, Ross Perot resisted every effort to make the Reform Party something more than a vehicle for his presidential ambitions. When it slipped out of his control anyway, and in 2000 gave the world two competing presidential nominations, he stiffed both and endorsed George. Bush instead. A different fate befell the left-wing netroots that embraced Howard Dean in 2004 and Ned Lamont, among others, in 2006. We'll address them here in a moment. 800-259-9231. And then we'll look at the Paul campaign. We'll look at the movement of activists behind the campaign and why it is that they're different. And oh, are they different. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. All the features for free. You like Free Talk Live? You want to help support the show? Then go shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Whenever you buy something through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. It's so easy. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You're going to have to do the shopping anyway. So shop there. In fact, I got an email recently from somebody that said they just don't quite have the funds to to go with Free Talk Live Amplifier program, but they still need to buy stuff, so they're shopping through Amazon. So you know, it's a great alternative, a great way to get some money to the show and get the things you need in life. Amazon.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. We are talking about Ron Paul. Reason Magazine did a piece recently on the whole Ron Paul phenomenon. I think it's more than just a campaign. It's This is a phenomenal movement uh, because he's attracting a whole bunch of people from all across the political spectrum, including apolitical types, including those who have said, bah, screw it to politics. They've gotten excited about this one candidate because he's something different. Anyway, reasons sort of um, outlining some of the reasons why this is such an original campaign. It's such a uh, a campaign that is worthy of attention. And they're pointing out that the campaign has a life of its own. That it, And they're looking at some of the other sort of uh, decentralist movements that have surrounded other candidates in the past. And 
They say a different fate befell the left-wing netroots that embraced Howard Dean in 2004 and Ned Lamont in 2006. They've maintained their decentralized character, and they're obviously larger than any uh, particular poll. But unlike the Perot movement or even the Rainbow Coalition, which included left-wing independents as well as Democrats, the netroots aren't larger than one particular party. They may hate the Democratic establishment, but they're still devoted Democrats. The Ron Paul movement is different. Unlike the Jackson and Perot campaigns, it is open, decentralized, and largely driven by activists operating without any direction from the candidate or his staff. Now, uh, how is Perot, was Perot mainly, Demo- I mean, mainly Republicans then? I don't know. I mean, he did endorse Bush, and it would seem like Republicans would be the ones that would want to go out and vote for a billionaire for uh, would think so, yeah, for for uh, president. I mean, it would it it just stands to reason to some extent. I mean, I think Perot got a lot of people excited with just won't work, <laughs> not prudent or whatever the hell he said. Was that Bush? that was uh, Bush Senior that said not prudent? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so. And what I find interesting is how Ron Paul is really just kind of struck by all this. In many interviews, he points out that, you know, hey, we're not controlling what these people do. All yeah. of these activists, they're going out on their own and self-organizing. Yeah, there's a whole website and set up from decentralized uh, organizations that just want to go out and have their own meetup groups and have their own campaign for him just on their own. They're not being financed at all by him. It's basically free advertising that he gets because they're out there making lawn signs for right. him and stuff all for free. So I wonder how that factors in. Like, you know, that he's got the $2.4 million or the amount that he's got in, in his uh, campaign chest. The fact that all these activists are out there sort of independently doing their own promotional efforts is going to really make that $2.4 million go a lot further. Oh, so yeah. he's got sort of a uh, a phantom amount of uh, of money that Absolutely. he doesn't have control over. It, it, it's it's true. Um, on if you if you get part of the, get to be part of these uh, Ron Paul 2008. Uh, little groups mm-hmm. you know they're they're making their own buttons they're making their own uh, copper uh, silver and gold coins uh you know from the, the liberty dollar that's right they're making all kinds of campaign stuff and they're doing it themselves ron paul is not paying that out of his war chest yep all and the other candidates, if they want stuff like that, they're paying for it themselves. Right. Nobody gives a damn about Tommy Thompson that much. Right. And that's only at the Ron Paul 2008. There's also other ones like Ron Paul HQ that are out there. All these other organizations that are like sub-official Ron Paul forums. It's, mm-hmm. it's really great to see. But unlike the Perot movement or even the Rainbow Coalition, uh, oh, excuse me, the Paul movement's different. Unlike those campaigns, it's open, decentralized, and largely driven by activists operating without any direction from the candidate or his staff. Unlike the Netroots, it has no particular attachment to the party whose nomination its candidate is seeking. Paul himself left the Republican fold in the 80s to run for president as a libertarian, and he still has friendly ties to that party. In fact, I don't think they mention it here, but there was a... Left the libertarian fold. No, he left the Republican fold for the Libertarians okay. in the 80s to run as a Libertarian. And, uh, in fact, there was a, a poll done recently, an informal poll of Libertarians done, which showed tremendous support for, for Ron Paul's candidacy. <laughs> well, duh. What a surprise. Uh, <laughs> when he returned to the GOP in Congress in the election of 96, the National Party establishment threw its weight behind his opponent in the primaries, an incumbent who had originally been elected as a Democrat. Paul turned to independent sources to fill his campaign coffers, raising substantial sums from libertarian, constitutionalist, and hard-money movements. Those have always been his chief base of support. Barring a complete meltdown of the party gatekeeping apparatus, Ron Paul will not be the Republican nominee next year. And he says he has no plans to run as an independent, which I hope that he's just saying that for now. I think it'd be silly for him to throw all the the, uh, the momentum away if he doesn't indeed get the Republican nod. I think it'd be a, a, I think it would be... 
foolhardy yeah, I, to just throw the throw all of that uh, momentum and activism out the window. When he says, um, barring a complete meltdown of the Republican gatekeeping, whatever, um, Ron Paul won't be the nominee. I don't know that the Republicans really have a lot to do with it. I mean, you're gonna the primaries are gonna be the primaries are gonna be the primaries, and the people that are gonna win are gonna win. I believe that Ron Paul will win in New Hampshire, which um, will give his campaign a huge boost. Absolutely. Um, after that, it's anybody's game. I really don't know what's gonna happen. If he um, can win New Hampshire, he can win the United States. Absolutely true. And New Hampshire, if you win New Hampshire, traditionally, um, it, you know, traditionally you'll win your party's nomination. Um, Republicans, it's not so clearly cut that way. Uh, Buchanan won against. Uh, Bush in 2000 and did obviously. Uh, there have been exceptions, but most of the time, but it, the it, New Hampshire it, winner is right. I mean, New, New Hampshire is a big state. It's a very important. I think if Ron Paul wins it, it could be a really great thing. Um, it, I mean, but if the other primaries, if he gets enough uh, momentum going and his message gets out there and enough people vote for him, he'll win those primaries too. Are you telling me that the delegates to the Republican National Convention shut out? are going to say? Well, we know that the voters of our state voted for Ron Paul, but my vote's going to to uh, Fred Thompson. They could. We know best. You know, they already did. Uh, are they going to go home after that crap? <laughs> I mean, really, they're going to live in the neighborhoods where, um, with the people that voted for Ron Paul, and they're going to vote Do for somebody else? Do you know who else? your delegates are? Or who, I mean, I'll, who the hell are these people? I'll know if New Hampshire doesn't uh, <laughs> nominate Ron Paul. Yeah. You know, um... I I lost my track on what I was going to say on that one. But. That's all right. <laughs> Long after Snakes on a Plane was relegated to the cult movie shelf, the people who spoofed it online, they're still writing blogs. And, uh, excuse me, he says you can't erase all the traces of a self-directed transpartisan, uh, transpartisan idea-driven movement. So all the Snakes on the Plane people are still writing blogs and editing mini-movies, applying the skills they honed, mocking the action flick. Howard Dean is just a party functionary today, but the troops who assembled themselves behind him are still active in the trenches. Their original leader, nearly forgotten. I suspect Paul will have a longer shelf life than Dean or Snakes on a Plane. But whatever becomes of him after this election, his fans will still be there, organizing rallies, editing their YouTube videos, launching their own political campaigns, and spreading ideas. Shoot, I hope Ron Paul's campaign is as successful as Howard Dean's was. If Ron Paul becomes the uh, uh, national uh, chairman of the Republican Party... <laughs> um, you know, like the things in America will change completely. Now, Howard Dean is as close to a socialist as you can get without saying I'm a socialist. Yeah, okay? pretty much. With, without um, you know, wearing your hammer and sickle T-shirt. He was the governor of Vermont, right? Yeah. Right, correct. Um, you know, Howard Dean. Uh, they made him the president of uh, the chairman of the Democratic National mm -hmm. uh, Committee. Yeah. I mean, let's hope Ron Paul's as successful as Howard Dean was. Either way, though, he's right um, pointing out that the Ron Paul fans, that the supporters like Toby and uh, Mark and myself, we're going to continue on doing what we're doing, and that is spreading the message of liberty and promoting anybody that, uh, that is willing to adhere themselves to that message. Right. And uh, we're going to keep growing what we're doing, Free Talk Live and Toby with Free Minds TV at freemindstv.com. Uh, everybody's sort of getting out there and continuing on whether or not the candidate's there, and that's what's most important. Also, I think you're going to see a lot of people um, hopefully getting... 
uh, getting clued in about the Free State Project during the Ron Paul campaign. I don't see how it can be avoided that uh, you know the Free State Project is going to be pointed to if New Hampshire or when New Hampshire elects Ron Paul in the primary. If nothing else, they'll be blamed if we don't. The Free State, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, the Free State Project will be pointed to for that, and hopefully we'll see not only more people doing what they're doing, but also moving their activities here to New Hampshire. I sure hope so. I saw that Ron Paul now has over 20,000 meetup groups, and what are those gonna, meetup groups going to be doing if he just drops out? Those people are still going to be, hopefully, invigorated by freedom. They're still going to know the message, and once you know the message of freedom, it's hard to just let it go and say, I don't care about this anymore. Hopefully, those 20,000 groups that are out there, if he, even if he doesn't get the nomination, will hopefully keep on pushing for it and find somewhere else to go to fight for liberty and freedom. I agree. Hopefully they will. Inevitably, there is going to be some drop-off, though. I mean, realistically, people will get burnt out right. after all the campaign work and, you know, oh, it didn't turn into anything. But I think, peop- I think it is turning into something. I mean... It, it, oh, yeah. I think there's going to be more retention with this campaign than other, say, libertarians that had run for office as far as retaining activists and not having them burn out. But inevitably, you have to prepare for that. Right. And you as an activist should prepare in advance for potential burnout. More on the way. Hour two is coming up. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. We're talking taxes. Coming up. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we're launching into hour number two of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. That number, by the way, the toll-free SACL CAI line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com where all the features are completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Rolling right into the phone calls to John in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, John. Hi, John. Hi, hello. Hey, hey, we got you. What's on your mind? Hey, I told you I wouldn't uh, be able to call in tonight, but some things changed today, and I thought I'd give you the update. Um, as of early this afternoon, I had to leave to get some sleep because I thought I'd be working tonight. A mm-hmm. uh, bunch of us arrived in uh, Concord outside the federal building to support Dave Ridley. Yes, the man who has been accused of placing a piece of paper down on an IRS officer's desk and been then char- was then charged with uh, distribution of handbills, a federal crime, when all he was doing was simply trying to communicate his opinions to the IRS staff and, uh, and p- essentially petition the government for a redress of grievances, which is uh, a right enshrined in the First Amendment to the Constitution, uh, the Bill of Rights, but uh, the judge apparently didn't see it that way, did he? Yeah, and I don't think he wants to see it that way, and I don't think that... Uh Mr. Therian, I don't know what his uh, complete uh, title is, but he's apparently, when he took the uh, witness stand today, and I think he's the one driving this uh, persecution. That's the cop, right? That's the uh, guy, he's the, uh, I don't know if this is his proper title, but he, he's apparently the commander of either Homeland Security or ICE or something like that uh, for northern New England. He listed the states, Vermont, Maine, um, New Hampshire, um, right. They brought in the commander of Homeland Security for the Northeast to testify against a man who distributed a piece of paper. A piece of paper. And by the way, this this guy was dressed a little differently than normal. This is somebody that we've seen, you know, on a, on, on on many of these trips. Uh, uh, he was involved when they arrested Russell and all this, and so right. he was just dressed a little bit differently, a little more. Uh, 
showing off his gear a little bit with his, you know, his his microphones and his whatever battle gear that he had on. He's kind of showing that off a little right. bit more today, it seemed. That's just my personal opinion on it. You, so there were... Uh, I'm sorry. I was there just... were... Uh, John, we got a question here for you. We got a question for you. We got a question for you. Go ahead. I was just uh, gonna say quickly that um, this really just shows what the ICE people are doing. I know that when we were we'd go out and protest outside the IRS building, they'd come down here from wherever they come from and just watch us doing some protest. Recently, after Russell did this, and now showing up in court, going through all this stuff, it really shows what this whole federal bureaucracy is doing with their time and money, just it's wasting it. Intimidation. They're trying to intimidate people. So go ahead, what happened today? To intimidate? They're, they're trying to intimidate somebody who's entirely peaceful and just trying to express an opinion. Right, and at the same time, no they're trying to intimidate anybody. anybody else who's paying attention as well, by proxy. They want to scare everybody. Right, and that's the whole, uh, whole idea to silence it. And by the way, the judge said today, uh, I think towards the end, Dave made a comment, and you know, it might not have been accurate, but he said something along the lines to the judge that, you know, maybe this is all new to you, you know, that people would stand up for the Constitution. And the guy made some comment about he grew up in the 60s and, you know, he saw it all before with the Vietnam War or whatever the heck he said. It just kind of threw me off. So because much. the hippies are really, were really interested in the Constitution. Well, I was thinking that the, this, this guy sitting in his black dress probably isn't very interested in the Constitution, and he's proving it. But yeah, anyway, that's true. There's a... a over a dozen of us, and it, it was kind of interesting that there was a more mixed message than, than I've seen before. Uh, when I pulled up, there was a young lady with a Ron Paul sign and another young lady uh, with a Ron Paul sign, and I hadn't seen either of these two activists before. And then I spotted Dave, and I spotted an old Libertarian Party of New Hampshire workhorse. He was there with a Vote Libertarian sign, and then there was... Uh, one of the uh, early free state movers who's also a big Ed Brown supporter, and various others that you know you would recognize, anybody would recognize from nh3.com. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Cat, Russell, uh, Sure, sure, sure. Most yeah. of our listeners don't know any of these people, so go on with what, right. uh, what happened. So, uh, so we all demonstrated for a couple hours out there. I, I didn't get there till just before nine. Demonstrated, and we went inside the court, and uh, it had started by the time I get in there, and... Uh, it just went through the normal, uh, you know, disrespect for the Constitution that you would expect in the courtroom. And uh, right now, let me see Dave, if I understand. Let me, let me see if I've got this straight. From what Dave has told us, his whole position on this has been: Look, you guys, find me with one hundred and twenty-five dollars. The last time I was in court for this uh, this charge, he hasn't paid the one hundred and twenty-five dollars. He's told the judge he'll pay the fine so long as the judge can can show him the applicable justification for where in the Constitution it's authorized for them to levy this fine and that for them to charge him with this crime. And did the judge bother to do that today? I think that kind of when the judge said that he's seen it all before and grew up in the 60s, maybe that's what he was referring to. Like, uh, you know, this has all been uh, tried and, you know, we're done with this Constitution uh, business. We don't, you know, we're not interested in these arguments. And uh, therefore, and he, and he said that he didn't see Dave as any threat to society and uh, he didn't see him as any risk of flight. Uh, but he sentenced them anyway in the end mm. to four days in prison. Outrageous. So we're going to throw a man in prison for handing a couple of pieces of paper yep. to a couple of bureaucrats. Unbelievable. Then, so now we don't know where he's going to go. We just know, and, and so Dave, uh, they handcuffed him in the court after the judge just finished saying he's of no threat, he's of no flight risk, he's not into harming anybody, and yet, of course, they have to go through the procedure of 
handcuffing the man. Well, his sentence started right then, right? I would say as soon as those handcuffs went on him... Uh, right, because Lauren Canario, then. super activist Lauren Canario, called the uh, the NH Free Hotline today and left a message saying they'd taken him to the jail, uh, the county jail, and that uh, that they were going to protest outside of the jail. So, yeah, sure. his sentence started right then. I hope someone drove him to court that day. Now, we were trying to figure out where they would uh, bring him, and based on Russell's limited experience... He, he was of the opinion that all the folks, when he was there, were processed to Stratford County uh, Prison. Yes, I believe that so is where over. he is. So they hold these prisoners there as long as they're not there for more than a year. But his experience was that everybody that he talked to when he went through this process all went there. So uh, we were talking about it, and I was of the opinion, well, why don't we go there right now? And maybe we can beat Dave there, and when he arrives, maybe we can greet him at that facility. Did that work out? Uh, more than half of us, or uh, I don't know more, uh, roughly half of us uh, went to the jail and were there within, an, within the hour and staged a demonstration at the, at the county prison. Right. And we were there uh, unmolested uh, un- and, and the fellow that came out, he was a rather young guy, rather large, and he came out, and I think probably all dressed in black, he might think that we're going to be kind of, you know, they're probably used to pushing people around and have people intimidated. Sure. But Russell just went over with a kazoo in his mouth, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> because they were doing a little kazoo uh, stuff while I was playing my uh, my little uh, ditty that I've written. It's a, it's a song with no words right. because of in, in honor of the silent protest uh, that Dave does. But Lauren had some kazoos, and so folks were, you know, we like to have fun when we. So they were tooting at they were tooting at the jail guy that came out. The uh, well, just a little bit. But you know, he didn't (laughs) he he didn't seem like he was being that much of a bully about it. He came out more or less to see what the heck was going on. Gotcha. Another thing that was interesting was a woman came walking over who I recognized, and I thought maybe she saw the, uh, you know, maybe somebody had called, you know, Porcupine nine one one or uh, Free Talk Live or uh, Hotline or whatever hotline there is, and uh, there was a woman who was not at the court, and I recognized her from the Ed Brown trial. And this woman came walking over, and she said to me, Dave Ridley, is that the Ed Brown supporter? She happened to be at the court, uh, at the uh, jail, to either visit or pick somebody up. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she knew the name Dave Ridley. That's pretty good, man, because Dave is one of the more... Us, and that's- he is one of the more visible activists. And, John, thanks for going out there today. I wish I could have made it. I, I wasn't able to. I just had uh, too much to take care of. But, well, it's but, certainly my pleasure to stand up for anybody as brave as, as these folks are. And, I know we can you know, expect. When I can do what I do, and when, when you guys can, you do, and you know, we all do our little pot. By the way, folks, uh, there were three uh, attractive young ladies who uh, I had never seen before that were there today. One just arrived in New Hampshire, and she's a Free Talk Live listener. Are they all by themselves, John? Yes. That's an important factor. Yes. Nothing but hot she, women listening to Free Talk Live, I can tell you that. Free Talk Live listener just arrived in New Hampshire Monday. Awesome. So I was happy to welcome her home and thank her for coming home. Great, John. Thank you for the call, man. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. We will keep you up to date on the Dave Ridley situation as it develops four days in jail for handing an IRS agent a piece of paper. 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. And those features include the wiki, over 1,350 pages created by listeners just like you. It's all for free online at freetalklive.com. This segment of the show is brought to you by SACL CAI. They do uh, early out billing collections, and they purchase charged-off receivables. If you know anybody who or you do work in a bank or a medical facility or something like that, drop a bug in the ear of the guy who handles this stuff and uh, mention SACL CAI because they do collections, but they don't, you know, they, they don't beat people up and they don't break kneecaps or anything like that. They're kind of nice about it, and I think it's a, it's a whole new way of doing things, and plus, they support Free Talk Live, and we like them. Absolutely. That's SACL CAI. Our number is 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to the Amplifier line. Talk to Johnson in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, hey, I've got a suggestion in regards to this, uh, the handbills situation. Dave Ridley, uh, a, su- yeah. a super activist here in New Hampshire, he's been jailed for four days, federal sentence, because he distributed handbills, which means he gave one piece of paper to an IRS agent and put one piece of paper down on the desk of a different IRS agent. Now, I'm a little confused. Prison was mentioned. He's being jailed for four days. Now, ordinarily, a four-day sentence means literally jail. There's a huge difference between jail and prison. There are no federal jails. It's federal prison, and that's it. That's so he is usually a federal, federal inmate. Usually a federal inmate is that uh, has a shorter sentence is incarcerated at a local jail, right. like that. But well, well, this is my, the Stratford Prison, as I understand it. Okay, they they call things is, funny things up here in New England, um, <laughs> but you know, generally, generally, the general rule is if you are sentenced to less than a year, you go to jail. If gotcha. You're sentenced to more my than a year, you go to prison. Is, is you guys are you know I know that there are some people up there protesting and I know that there are some super activists who have already made the move as part of the Free State Project and my suggestion you may like it you may really not like it actually um, because what I'm what I would propose would sort of really easily test the waters to find out just how many super activists do we have up there right now because what I would suggest needs to happen. Um, is that you get together as many people as you can. I suggest like a hundred, you know, uh, even more than that would be better. Get an exact copy of that exact same handbill and line up at the IRS office one by one, file in and drop it on their desks. I think it's a great idea. In fact, uh, what you might want to do is go and look at the uh, the threads on NH Free and post that there. That way, those activists can uh, can take that and, and mull it over as uh, as a possibility. Because I th- certainly think it would be interesting if, you know, several hundred people showed up to drop this flyer on their desk and alert the media of what's going on and what the IRS has done. Right, turn yeah, it into they, an event. What are they going to do, arrest 100 people? Well, they couldn't. I mean, when we went down there, when they were arrested, uh, Russell Cannon, they were ready for him, and there were only a few different guys there. There were enough to arrest maybe two other people, well, but I it think it's a quite, lot. I think it's quite obvious that these, if 100 people show up to petition the government, you know, and petition the IRS, that they're all, 100 of them, are all obviously terrorists and need to be shipped to Guantanamo <laughs> Well, Bay. first of I mean, all, I'd like to point out that opinion. Dave Ridley was not ever arrested during this entire thing. They uh, they gave him, essentially, they met him in a, um, a, pro- a public place. They met him in a parking lot. The, the feds contacted him and said, we want to meet you and talk to you. They met him, and they tried to serve him with this notice of owing this fine for this distribution of handbills. So they just tried to sort of give him this administrative fine in the first place. Dave refused to take the fine from them. He, they just sort of dropped it on the ground in, in front of him, basically. 
and uh, and so you know then Dave went to court to uh, to address this issue. That's when they then charged him with a hundred and twenty five dollar fine because he didn't pay the the original one. Then he didn't pay the one twenty five, and then this other trial happened today, and now he's in jail for four days. So he actually was never arrested technically. Well, he didn't denounce that he was doing it first, like Russell did. He was That's just correct. there doing a silent demonstration, and right. then he That's Dave's left style. He just shows up and does something. Right. He never telegraphs it in advance. But uh, this would be something for the other activists to do to really turn this into an idea. I think it's a great idea, Johnson. And I think getting some media attention on it would really, uh, you know, uh, you know how the uh, the bureaucrats are. They're like uh, vampires. They're like bats. You know, they're just blood suckers. And when you shine the light on them, they yep. uh, they scatter. So. You're absolutely right. They're kind of like cockroaches. Exactly. Thank you exactly. for the call, man. Appreciate Vermin. it. 800, tell of that vermin, 800-259-9231. But you have to remember, we, you know, it's easy to hate the bureaucrats, but we have to try to, I think, really, we have to kill them with kindness. Yeah, but you got to build bridges, with, especially with lower-level bureaucrats. Right. Um, they're the ones that are just, they just have a job. You know, they, they're just looking for uh, an easy paycheck. They're just lazy. And, and, what, and even, even so, they just wanted a good job, one that pays well, and who doesn't want that? Sure. They, what they weren't thinking of is, oh, wow, my... Jobs funded by theft. Yeah. You know, and I've got to hurt people in the course of doing my job. Let's continue with the phone calls. Frank in New York, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Great. How did the uh, protest go in the concert over the weekend up in New Hampshire? Went very well. I mean, considering the remote location, and we discussed this extensively on Saturday's show, so you might want to pick that up, hour number one, pretty extensive discussion. But uh, basically, uh, estimates say there were about 200 people that showed up, and it went on all day long. I guess they had a helicopter flying over at a cost of, you know, a 1000 bucks an hour or whatever the hell it costs to fuel a helicopter. Uh, the, the feds did. <laughs> And uh, so there was no uh, no interruption by the government, and everything went off without a hitch. I think everyone enjoyed hot dogs and hamburgers and chicken and, and enjoyed some music. I mean, I had a bratwurst. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I think any more people in there wouldn't have been anywhere to park. The cars were going all the way down his driveway pretty much. And the Man, po- that was when we left it, too. Right. And the police did say that if there were any cars on the main road uh, that trickled out of his driveway, if more people got they would they were planning on towing them. So. Really? Yeah, I bet they would. How could they do that on private property? You well, know it wouldn't what I be mean? private property. Like, it would be on the street. That would be if it went into the road. Basically, the 200 people there filled up his driveway, so if more had come, they would have had their cars towed. Yeah, you know, that's kind of, well, yeah, well, it says something about, uh, I guess, the behavior of authority. Did you know they brought hamburgers out to the cops? <laughs> That's, I thought that was nice. Yes, that's a, always a great move is to sort of embrace your enemy. And uh, I remember it reminds me of one of the uh, things the pro- one of the protesters did here in New Hampshire when they had originally moved here at a, at a protest where there were some Democrats protesting sort of against the libertarians. They yes. brought over some cookies to the Democrats. You know, hey, you know, we're well, not bad guys. Well, I think it was nice with the hamburgers just so they didn't have any bacon or barbecued pork. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, any other thoughts for us? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts for us, Frank? Okay, listen, uh, on a more serious note, yeah. uh, what do you gentlemen and ladies think of the current uh, stand-down or the current sort of uh, stalemate with Iran right now? The- Honestly, I haven't been following it, but I'll let the lady in the room address the issue. Mark? Why do I have to be the lady in the room? My operation isn't even complete yet. <laughs> the, um, uh, no, I think that, you know... The, the 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 war party out there, um, the, the 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 hawks in the Republican wing would really really like to go after um, Iran. I, yes, I I think that uh, Ron Paul sort of warned of a, a Gulf of Tonkin type of incident. 
That's um, correct. I think we all need to be aware that uh, the government can fabricate things like this. Yes. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I sincerely hope not. This is one of the scenarios that I believe that could uh, very well derail the Ron Paul um, campaign. It's what I'm. It, it's one of the things that I fear. We will see. Well, Only time smart. will tell. He's very smart in the sense that he called it the Gulf of Tonkin two, sort of history repeating itself again. But and the I Gulf of Tonkin wasn't the first time either. There's sort of a history of various different governments around the world manufacturing crises in order oh, to uh, engender a response. Tonkin, the Gulf of Tonkin was the uh, action that got us into Vietnam. Right, and, and it was totally fabricated. Was, totally fabricated. Frank, thanks for the call, man. Short on time. 800-259-9231. We've got Tim. We've got Cameron. Your calls as well. This is your show. You take control. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. Lots of features, all for free. The archives included an entire year's worth of the show right there. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Grab them up at freetalklive.com. And as the dollar continues to drop, precious metals rise. Make the trend your friend by subscribing to the International Speculator. Go to d2z.org and add the right precious metal mining stocks to your portfolio. That's d2z.org. As we go to the phones, to the fun, let's talk to it's Tim in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Tim. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's happening? Um, well, I had two things to kind of uh, talk about today. My town, I live in a little town in uh, Illinois, mm-hmm. Bradley, Illinois. It's a tiny little town. Um, and we just got a government grant to put cameras all over our city streets. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. And on top of that, they didn't even um, talk to the citizens of Bradley to see if that's what we wanted to do. Now, is Bradley rife with uh, violent crime? Uh, not at all. Because uh, most small towns, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, not a lot bad going on. Murders happen once every decade. Uh, you know, it, it, any other violent crime is uh, big news. So, uh, every every bit of uh, violent crime hits the uh, newspaper, and it's big news. But, Mark, you never know where those terrorists are going to strike next. You need a network right. of interconnected cameras. Also, bureaucrats can watch and keep you safe. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. what's going to happen. You know, this just shows me how wrong I I was when, in my thinking today. I was listening to the news on the radio, and they were talking about the all the cameras they're putting in Chicago. And I'm like, well, at least I could still move to some small little town where yeah. that would never happen because there's not enough people to make it worth it. Now, this means that they, they didn't just get this grant. They applied for it, right? Yeah, they would have had to. And no one knew about it until uh, just this Sunday in the Sunday paper there was a huge article about it. And this kind of brought it all out. Now, does the grant cover people to man and watch the cameras as well, or is it just throwing the system, and now you get to pay for another bureaucrat to, <laughs> to watch, watch the cameras and uh, sit on their butts, basically? Right. Inevitably, they'll have to hire more people and uh, I, to, to view these things. They would have to. I don't... And so what's going to happen here? I mean, is there is there a groundswell of, uh, you know, a, a people around town that are going to oppose it, or, I mean, what's going on? Um, I actually haven't heard of anything. I've been talking to people, and and uh, my mother-in-law, she's kind of, she she's like, well, I don't want people watching me, but it's a good thing that there will be people out there to stop speeders. And 
other stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, you know, how can you sit back and let this happen? And they're completely. They've been. They've been led down this path step by step, inch by inch, and uh, the the American people have just thrown in the towel on the whole freedom thing. I mean, this is happening all over the place with people just giving up. Oh well, we need to. We need all the security. I know it's inconvenient, but I feel safer as a result of it. Is the attitude? I think the question we should ask when it comes to these cameras is: How much do the cameras cost? How effective will they be? in stopping violent crime or any crime at all, because well, they're the, going to be used for everything. The government of the town will answer and say, well, it doesn't matter how much they cost. It's a federal grant, so our taxpayers don't have to pay for it. Well, um, somebody has to pay for it, and that's an issue. And secondly, yeah, but it's people in California. You know, I mean, so, what's it going to do? I mean, people are going to figure out, people that are going to commit crimes are going to figure out ways around the cameras anyway. Sure. And right. um, the cameras are going to really be to, to control the citizens, not as much um, to control the uh, you know the criminals. It's all true. Tim, any other thoughts? Or, or anything like that. I mean, because violent crime usually is done inside of the home, which is in privacy anyway. That's Largely. True. That's why we need cameras in the home. Tim, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I'm kidding about that, of course. But it, that'll be the next step. As soon as all the camera networks start getting plugged in around town, you'll start seeing exactly that. You'll see people, you know, they'll, uh, they'll get out of cars with black hoods on. And they'll go into the houses where they'll then do their business. Uh, they'll then beat somebody up or kill and, them. In or order whatever. to really prevent crime with a camera, because I think that's what people imagine is going to happen, there's still need to be somebody manning the cameras. And each screen on the cameras, no matter uh, however many cameras are in the town, you're going to need that many people watching them to make it's sure that possible. Are they going to put a speaker under the camera where the where the police officer is watching and go, stop? They have that well, in they Great have, Britain. Yeah. Stop or I'll I'll. I'll say stop yes. again. Yes, they can do and, that, Mark. And it's I, trying to come over here as well. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's kind of silly. It doesn't, it, you know, well, it's going to stop argue, somebody. One could argue that it's a deterrent effect, sort yeah. of like having a cop car nearby. Yeah, I, makes I would me say not want to walk down the street. It's, it certainly deters you from having your uh, uh, face uh, bare when you're committing a crime. It deters me from feeling free, I can tell you that much, having uh, these ominous... Orwellian cameras. It's going to cause people to, uh, sort of, you know, take on new um, new styles. People are going to start wearing hats, big sunglasses, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe veils to uh, obscure their face. <laughs> so, I, then they'll not, make that illegal. Style is is dictated by what people want, you right. know. And well, we've already seen laws where they say you can't wear your pants uh, lower than your uh, than your waist. They'll just make it so you can't wear hats and sunglasses when you're outside. They, they probably will try to figure something like that, and then people yeah. are going to get more skin cancer. It's just a mess. No hats and sunglasses. Glasses outside. Uh, you have to have cameras inside your house now, and uh, people, I mean, people will start, uh, you know, to, to change their uh, facial features. They'll start putting wads of cotton in their cheeks, and um, you know, do, there'll be surgery for um, changing your facial features. And oh, I just, I, I don't. It's yeah. crazy. It's not going to stop crime. Of course, it's not going to stop crime. There's too much damn profit incentive in uh, in many crimes, and of course, that's all brought on by the black market, which is brought on by government laws in the first place. Anyway, let's continue with the phone calls. Of course, cameras are an awful idea. And the most effective way to oppose them is to get the hell out, come to the free state, make a stand for freedom here. Let's go to Cameron in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Cameron. What's up, man? What's on your mind? Um, I was going to talk about the court system. Sure. And I went to court today because I'm in a drug class, made some mistakes back when. And uh, I get, you know, two, about two, three court cases every month to evaluate my progress in the class. And uh, I went today. And uh, I had been court-ordered to put in three job applications a week and all that, so I did it so it wouldn't be contempt of court, right? Mm-hmm. And uh ended up going there today, and 
I got uh, 55 hours of community service for not having a job, and he court-ordered a mental evaluation because I don't even really know why. Because you don't have a job. That's yeah, because strange. I don't have a job, so they well, he did it because he can. Evaluation, and he said, "Do you have any objections?" I was like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> so he just court ordered it. Hmm. Right. See, he can do whatever he wants. He's the judge. He's the man in the black robe that everybody thinks has power, and so he'll get away. He doesn't have to have a reason for doing what he's doing. He's in control. Oh, yeah. It's a sickness, That's really. True. Now, when, what's what's going to happen as a result of this mental evaluation? If you don't pass it, does that mean they're going to put you into a mental institution? Um, I'm not really sure. I was figuring they would just run me like the rest of the people in the system, just uh, give me the mental evaluation, say there's a hundred things wrong with me, and pump me up on a bunch of pills. That doesn't sound very good. Yeah, you're in there for a drug violation, and then they're going to put you on their own version they're, of the drug. And I bet they're going to make you pay for the pills as well, sort of like how they make you pay for the drug tests that they mandate that mm-hmm. you do. So you yeah, have to pay for the pills and then take the pills that you may not even want, that who knows what they'll do to your, your brain or, or your body, and uh, who knows what side effects they'll have, and they'll probably charge you if you don't take the pills, too, right? Oh, yeah, they, they could court order me to take the pills, too. Man, that's sick, dude. That's messed up. Now, did you yeah, get it? another guy in there. He's, uh, he was on Ritalin, and they court ordered him to take it because he stopped, and they uh, court ordered him to take it. That's awful. Do, now, do you have some kind of a record for this? I was just uh, well, that's, that's what the whole program is about. You go into it, and then if you successfully complete it, they clear your juvenile records. So they're Even punish- though I'm 18 now, but I was in there when I was a juvenile. So they're punishing you for not getting a job, but probably one of the things that's holding you back from getting a job is a record that they have given you? Yeah, <laughs> that and the fact that uh, it's three classes a week on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to work around that schedule. Then you got court usually every other Friday. And then you got board reviews, and I mean, it's impossible to really keep a job, you know, a regular job with that kind of schedule. So you could have, could you have just said, all right, it's okay, I'll take the record, forget all these classes, and, and been, gone on with your life? Or would they have, I mean, how did you get into this situation in the first place? Did you opt in? Yeah, that was the whole thing, because with my charges, I would have probably been spending about six to ten years in jail. And they said, Ooh. well, you can come in this class. And then oh, I see. So it was jail or the class. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's voluntary class, but I would rather go to that for a year than spend, you know, six to ten in jail. Man, good luck, oh, yeah. with, good luck with this evaluation, and uh, let us know how it turns out. I'm curious about that, and thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. It, there are some people that say that in the war on drugs, we shouldn't be putting people in jail. We should be putting, putting them into treatment. But that's what they're talking about when they talk about treatment. It's mandatory stuff where, you know, you want somebody to get off crack, but you're going to dope them up with all kinds of other stuff that they may not be interested in having, and then you're going to punish them if they don't do what you want them to. I mean, it's just a mess. More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, toll-free. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. You like the show, you want to support Free Talk Live, then go and shop with us at store.freetalklive.com. All kinds of neat Free Talk Live merchandise, and it's all uh, right there for you. Easy to order, and we'll ship it to you with trackable shipping. We do not do the USPS crap. We do not trust our products to those fools over at the Postal Service. We uh, we only ship via FedEx. So, and actually, I think we ship whatever's cheapest. We'll ship FedEx or UPS, whatever will get it there, tracked, insured, and protected. 
because uh, we care about our products and we care about our customers. We want to make sure that uh, that the experience is right for you. At store.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones to John, listening to WAIS in Ohio. Hello, John. Yeah, good evening. Uh, I see two types of value in those uh, security cameras. Okay. At least uh, here in southeastern Ohio, what would happen uh, their value would be as targets for target practice with uh, <laughs> pellet guns. The other would be uh, uh, hanging in a teenager's bedroom as a little trophy. Now, I actually saw some debate today on whether or not pellet guns would be appropriate versus paintball guns versus small arms fire. Now, I mean, wh- which one do you think would honestly be best? I believe probably the... Well, it depends on whether you want to uh, tear it up or just uh, disable it. Paint guns would be great for disabling the lens. Right. But if you want to destroy it, I'm sure the pellet gun would carry more power. Paintball guns are also going to give you a little bit less attention as far as the neighbors that might be around hearing gunfire. So A pellet gun doesn't make any noise. That's true, well, too. A pellet gun doesn't. It just makes a whisper. Yeah. But uh, another more... Uh, <laughs> ingenious young man or young lady mm-hmm. uh, might even take the thing apart, disassemble it, and send it back to Homeland Security <laughs> as a put-together kit. So um, I like the way you think, John. Well, John, what disturbs... John, wait, before you go, what disturbs yeah. you the most about these cameras? What bothers Pardon? you about them? What disturbs you the most about these cameras? What, what bothers well, you it's about It's just them? the fact that... Uh, where I am and what I'm doing is no one's business. You're damn right, unless as you're harming as, someone else, uh, and you're not. I'm not doing anything illegal. Uh, you got no it. one's business what I'm doing. I'm with you, John. I am. Great call. Thanks for making it. 800-259-9231. That's the way it's supposed to be in a so-called free country. You get to move around without people getting in your business. Without people knowing who you are and where you're at, as long as you aren't harming someone else or bringing damage to their property. And I should also, we should, since we're talking about the camera issue, we should point out that if you want cameras on your private property, great. Absolutely. It's your private property. You should do what it takes to protect that private property. Um, and, of course, I'm against public the concept of government property in the first place. I'd like to make it all private. But while we have this government property, the government is supposed to follow certain rules that respect privacy and that sort of thing. And we, clearly they don't really care much about all that. Well, you just better be careful if you do put cameras on your private property to check into the laws that there is no audio recording or something. You don't want to get in trouble with that. That's right, because uh, you can't record government agents with uh, with your cameras on your private right. property. And I don't think you can record anybody else uh, without their permission. Well, I think you could put little signs up that say, Morning, government agents. You will be uh, photographed if you come on this property. And likely shot. Well, Stay away. Under the laws, they have to agree to being recorded, but, oh, but they, they're they agreeing by they, stepping on right, the property. Right. They don't have to agree to come on my land. I mean, you know, it's mine. So, but then again, they might be able to argue that since they only allow C students into uh, the government policing systems, <laughs> that they don't have really good reading comprehension. So they could. <laughs> I can't read that, Sarge. What's that <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Talk to Brian in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live on the amp line. In, in Colorado, they've got these uh, speeder cameras. Yes. And uh, the law is that you've got to have a front license plate. I, I, I got busted once for not having a license plate in the front. And the reason they need the license plate in the front, of course, is so when these cameras take the picture, they know who the car is. Right. right. 
But, but the law in Colorado is you have to identify the car and you have to identify the actual driver because I could have somebody else drive my car as they were going past one of these and they can't give me a ticket, they have to give that person a ticket. Okay. So whenever I go past one of these cameras, uh, you can see it coming, you know, before they can they click you. So uh, I, I put my hand over my face and I raise the appropriate finger and drive <laughs> as fast as I can past that thing. That's great. <laughs> and I know that somebody has to look at that. And so they'll get the message from me because they know my license plate. That's awesome. But they awesome. can't give me a ticket. <laughs> Excellent story. Well, I, I, had, I had a couple of things to talk to you about. I haven't called in for a while. But, yes. but the thing I'm most excited about is my phone. How do I sound? Sounds it fine. Sounds really good. Why? I got this, this new phone. It's, uh, it's T-Mobile. And they got this new thing. It's called UMA, uh, Unlicensed Mobile Access. What's that mean? And it's got... I think it's five radios in this thing. It's an FM radio. It's a Wi-Fi thing. But what happens is when I'm at home, it locks into my Wi-Fi. I give it the password and everything. Mm -hmm. And all the calls I make on this cell phone are free. I mean, I don't pay my minutes. Oh, I've heard about this. They're sort of oh, dual-access phones. You can you, yeah. When you're around Wi-Fi, and it's not just your Wi-Fi, it's any open Wi-Fi, right? Not just any open Wi-Fi. Any, any Starbucks uh, automatically knows who I am because, you know, they, they, they have my credentials. Right. But if I go into some place like at work where they have, uh, they have uh, you know, a non-open Wi-Fi with the WPA or WEP or something, mm -hmm. I've got to put in my credentials there. And then the next time I'm there, it'll automatically shift to a Wi-Fi over a cell, a cell signal. Wow. So you're talking to us over a VoIP signal right now through your cell phone. Yes. And it's clear. Yeah, and, and I get all the features, you know, I get the web surfing, you know, everything just, just as it is when I'm home. And then when I, when I walk off of here and I get away from my, my cell signal, my, my Wi-Fi signal, it automatically finds the closest uh, cell signal and then locks in. And, of course, it starts charging me for the, the, cell, the cell time. Wow, so it's totally synchronous then, so the, the, our conversation would not be interrupted? That's what they say. I haven't tested it yet. I just got a couple of days ago. All right, go for but a walk. I'm say. kidding. It's okay. Um, <laughs> that's great, well, man. Actually, the, the, the reason I got this is because we have no cell signal at our house. We have cell signal, you know, 200 yards that way, 200 yards that way, but we're in a kind of a canyon. Right. And it's in a real pain in the butt. So this thing really makes it work. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to walk outside of my cell signal and not get anything for the next, you know, maybe quarter mile, and then I'll pick it up. Home but, phones but way, are completely. They're almost dead as far as technology is concerned. I mean, they they kept, you know, they kept making these home phones. You had a, the base, you had to put it on the charger, and you take it off, and they kept making it so you could go further and further with it. But really, you can only just get down the street with the mm -hmm. best of them. Now you're saying that with this multi-purpose cell phone, you're at home. You can use it all around the house. You're not getting charged for the minutes as soon as you walk outside of the house, you're back on the cell phone networks, it's completely uh, seamless, and and it's just going to get better from here on out. And how much does it cost per month? It's an extra 20 bucks. It's an extra 20 bucks for the whole family. I have five phones on, oh. on the thing, and, and they all get that. For a single, it's nine ninety-five. Plus, you get all this, uh, it's, it's called Hotspot at Home, because T-Mobile has this thing called Hotspot, which is in all the airports and, and Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's normally like 20 bucks, but you, you get this thing. So if you have your laptop with a Wi-Fi card, you're automatically connected you know, anywhere where they have this hotspot thing. Wow. That's really so, cool. So it really is a, a, a great deal, and the technology is wonderful. And obviously, it, it sounds okay coming over that VoIP. Yeah, it sounds great. Um, so what else? Did you have something else to share with us? Well, I, I, I had one thing. I, I had my tooth taken out. Oof. Yeah, I had my front tooth. I mean, a lot of people get their tooth taken out. It was the, the root crack. <laughs> and so... Um, I, I, got a, I got a big hole in my mouth, and I got this little thing to put in there, you know, for 500 bucks that kind of, you know, keeps you from scaring kids at the grocery store. <laughs> but, 
But they put in this, they put in this, uh, they, they take the tooth out, and they, you know, they kind of clean it up a little bit there. And they put this implant, which is a, t- a titanium thing that has uh, uh, around it, they have to pack it in with irradiated cow bone dust, a paste made of irradiated cow bone dust. Okay. to kind of pack this thing in there. And then my uh, bone apparently kind of, you know, eats away at this thing until it, until it solidifies. And then, and then when it's in like four or five months, there's no more cow bone dust anymore. And then they go and they put a, a crown, and, and you can't tell the difference. So huh. um, it, it's, a, it's a cool technology, and a lot of people do this. My dentist does 10 of them a week. Wow. Now, so how much did it cost to replace one tooth with this technology? It's about $5,000. Now, that's, uh, I mean, oh, you, can, you can just get a, what, what do they call that, a partial where it's, it's, it's dentures that will kind of fit up in there. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I have a partial. I mean, I, I got this partial. This is 500 bucks. It's one tooth, and then it kind of, you know, sticks up into your gum just so I can have a conversation with people and they're not staring at me like really? a Really? 500, you know, bu- 500 bucks for one tooth um, in, in a, you know, false tooth thing? And I'm going to use that for four months and throw it away. Yes. Exactly. Wow, that's incredible! Yeah. I couldn't, it, I can't theme. believe it's that much. No wonder some people walk around without front teeth. Well, they're all <laughs> custom made, as I find. Well, yeah, as it's I all believe. custom made. But you know, the, 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 you know, and there's like five thousand shades of white. You know, they have to pick the right white to yeah. put in there so it matches the other teeth. But then, you know, when, it, when it's all done, I'll have this thing that's supposedly twice as strong as you know the other teeth, and it, it's a dead tooth, you know, because there's no nerves up there. So I can I can pretty much bite anything I want. Jump on anything, great man, very cool, worth the five so, grand. Thanks for the call, Brian. Appreciate <laughs> okay. it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Either way, I mean, you can look at the price and complain about it, but the technology is pretty darn amazing. I mean, they can do some really neat things uh, with people's mouths these uh, these days. And the custom factor. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's an important factor to price. It's not like they're rolling these off an assembly line. Hour three's on the way. This is Free Talk. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's 1-800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Mark, can we jump over into your email box? You had a tax-related email to get to. Right. This one's, um, this one's from Steve. Says, hey Mark, I'm sending you this email because I've already sent Ian three today. So uh, today's show is just full of email inspiring topics, and by t- um, by today's show, I mean Saturdays. I wanted to say a few things about equating taxation with theft or slavery. When I was a novice libertarian, I am now a grizzled veteran of four years. <laughs> this was a very powerful and pers- um, persuasive argument to me. Taxation does share key characteristics with both theft and slavery. It seems like a slam-dunk argument, and yet it didn't seem to have the influence on other people that, I, um, that it did on me. Specifically, it seemed to have no influence on the left, the group to which the argument is most often employed. Well, they want to be stolen from. They like the idea. They think it's going to something good. They believe that the, uh, the benefits are greater than the price they have to pay. Um, Which is is not the case. I think I think that as long as uh, as long as it's largely peaceful or, or somehow it's spun to be the the right thing to do that that that's what the lefties like. You know, save the whales, f- 
free the people in Darfur, um, you know, bring blocks of cheese to the, uh, you know, people in, uh, you know, the people, the poor people that can't work downtown, that kind of thing. Right. right. They look at government as the greatest of charities. They don't see it as force because they're, they are truly, they truly are voluntarily and ha- giving it up and very happy to do so. And it's also taking it from the big rich people. Those evil billionaires mostly are paying most of these taxes anyway, so it he, doesn't matter. That's, he makes some um, arguments similar to that. And um, let me go on with it here. Let's see. Um, it's it seemed like a slam dunk argument, and yet it didn't seem to have the influence on the people that did it. Specifically, it didn't seem to have no influence on the left, the group to which the argument is most often employed. The left abhors slavery and presumably disapproves of theft. So let's use those concepts against them and try to trap them in a contradiction. It doesn't work because it isn't a contradiction to them. That's because slavery and theft have no more um, have more than one characteristic, and libertarians and lefties aren't in the um, aren't in opposition. To the same characteristics, slavery is the term um, used in America. As used in America, tends to refer to the African slave trade model, as was practiced um, in this country. Mm-hmm. When you hear the, hear the term, this is what springs to mind. This model was a crime against liberty because, the, um, and perhaps the ultimate crime against liberty. So libertarians abhor it, but lefties do not abhor it for this reason. They abhor it because it was also a crime, perhaps the ultimate crime against egalitarianism, against political equality. It isn't that the slavery per se that offends them. It is that it was only some people that were slaves and that their slave status was based on race. Oh, I see. So in their mind, it's all right for everyone to be enslaved as long as it's equally enslaved. You're equally enslaved. Absolutely. I think I think he's really hitting it on the head here. Interesting yeah. point. I've heard a lot of people say, let's just bring it to a level playing field. Right. As, as long as we're all enslaved by the government to the same level, then it's fine. Oh, man, that's sick. It is. It's very, very sick. Um, a more egalitarian form of slavery, such as communism, it's okay with them. It did not discriminate. Everybody was an equal slave. Everybody had an equal chance to become party members. Right. Freedom and consent aren't an issue for these people. They, they, they're also utilitarians as well as egalitarians mm-hmm. because they believe that you know, the ends do justify the means. You know, they see, again, this government as this great charity that everyone should be giving money to, and if they don't give money, then since it is the greatest charity, they should be able to put you in a jail cell uh, because of it. I would think only the most principled uh, free marketeers would be uh, against things from, a, uh, from, from that standpoint. I think every, just about everybody wants something utilitarian, something that works. So I would call myself utilitarian in that, I believe in a form of government that I believe is going to work and work best because it, um, you know, libertarianism uh, appeals to what people want to do. It appeals to human nature. Yeah, well, government didn't work then, and it won't work in your in your scenario. Right. Because force achieves unintended consequences every single time it's uh, it's employed. But it re- achieves fewer consequences when it's employed fewer times. Uh, that may be true, but how, the principle still remains. How about theft? This word not only refers to the coercive expropriation of others' property, but the illegal coercive expropriation of other people's property. In so other as long words, as theft is legal. In other words, deal. the less problem isn't that theft um, it, with theft isn't that it's coercive expropriation, but that it has been pre-approved by the legal system or that the democratic process or the and or the democratic process first. And now I called in on a, a local talk show. I heard some local yammering idiot, um, some politician that maybe four or five people voted into office mm-hmm. um, here in beautiful Keene, New Hampshire. Is it a city, city council member? A city council person um, 
talking about how great it was that they had used uh, eminent domain to uh, get the um, to, to be able to build this traffic circle that they built downtown. I yeah. called in. I called it theft. This lady and I went back and forth. Theft, not theft. Theft, not theft. Where I come from, when you take something without asking, um, without the permission of the person from whom you took it, you have stolen that thing. Right, but in their mind, as long as the majority of people says it's okay to take that something, then it's not theft. Right. If if there's one cantankerous individual who says no, and it belongs to them, and the rest of the community says yes, then it's fine. So long, and, and then the community doesn't own that property. So long as it's fine. My question to that person, and you know, when you use logic, you have to take things out to extreme circumstances to make it make sense. Is if the community wanted, for whatever reason, it doesn't even have to benefit them, just wanted it to happen, wanted to have me crucified on the town square, nail my hands to a cross, because they wanted it, because 99%, 51%, 51 We don't want no felons in this town. 51% of the voters. Now, yeah. remember, most people, especially local elections, most people that vote, you're talking about 6 7% of the population that vote right. in local elections. So 51% of 6 or 7%, so 3% of the population makes these decisions generally right. to vote to vote in these uh the local bureaucrat, local politicians. Um so one can't really claim a mandate uh when one's a local politician. They just sort of do whatever the hell they want and nobody bothers them. So um you know, could they nail me to the cross simply because they want to? By their logic they could. It, it their logic stinks. Right. It's I dangerous. Mean, it's it's such a destructive, uh, dangerous mindset to get into, and everyone has been infected with this. I mean, at least everyone who's gone through the government high school system, uh, the government schooling system, has been infected with this mindset that it's okay to use force on others as long as most people agree. As yeah. long as democracy is involved, it's great. I uh, We had someone on um, Free Minds TV who does another TV show called Choices on our show, and we were showing them the philosophy of liberty and going through breaking it down step Great by episode, step. Great episode, by the way. What do you guys disagree with it? And I gave her that same example of 99% of the people in the, the, our town decided to kill me for absolutely no reason, just for fun. Would that be okay? And she said... Well, if the majority of people think it would be okay, that would be fine. That person is a complete idiot, dangerous to herself and others. I'd have right. to that's, agree. That's, that is a that's psycho the mindset, though. That's the opinion of a psychopath. Absolutely. I mean, uh, enough people want it, it's okay. If I can get enough people together um, that want to come to your house and set it on fire, is it okay? Or do we have to have elections? Right. Do we have to have ballots? Do we have to have the yeah, mantle of government? Yeah, what makes it legitimate? I mean, if, as long as I have 100, 200, 300 people in this town here... 300 people elect the city council people. Mm -hmm. Can't I get a mob of 300 people together and legitimately set fire to all the black people's houses? You're not serious about it. No, that. but couldn't I legitimately do such a By thing? By that logic system, you could. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's crazy. It absolutely is. Democracy, uh, and you know, this boils it all down. Two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. And they say that's okay. And you're, The democracy supporters say great. Sometimes you're the wolf. Sometimes you're the sheep. And it really stinks to be the sheep. All For right. some reason, they just love that system. They um, love it. Going on with uh, Steve's email here. So when you say taxation is slavery, this bounces off um, the lefties uh, because to them, taxation does not commit the chief sin of slavery. Taxation is still egalitarian. When you say taxation is theft, this bounces off them because taxation does not commit the chief sin of theft. Taxation is not, um, is not outside the legal system. It is still controlled, planned, <laughs> and voted on. These are aren't right, that's because government is a completely legitimate organization to these people. These um, aren't really slam-dunk arguments. To get to the root of the matter, you've got to debunk not slavery, not theft, but egalitarianism and coercion. And that is no easy task. 
No doubt about it. I, you know, I, I, I don't even know. That's what I we're think trying that, to do, though. I think that the court system should look at people from an equal standpoint, but I don't think that I, I, I don't think there's any equality beyond that. Well, I think it's I think a truly egalitarian standpoint is to say that government should leave everyone the hell alone equally. That would be nice. 800-259-9231. And that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to expose government for the coercive apparatus that it is. The wool has been pulled over too many eyes. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. Coming up. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. Join us online. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features on the site, we give them away. So, uh, oh, by the way, some of those features include the archives. An entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website, for your downloaded convenience for free at freetalklive.com. Opportunistic lawyers. Judges, future ex-spouses, disgruntled ex-employees, and meddling bureaucrats. These people want your money, home, and car. What have you done to protect yourself? At KeepYourAssets.net, they are experts in sheltering your wealth. Go to KeepYourAssets.net, take their asset protection crash course today, and they'll show you how to keep your assets. They've done it for me, and sure worked. I mean, I assume it's going to work. It's been, it was an easy process. Let's go to the phones, do the fun, and talk to Wayne in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Wayne. Yeah, I, I just wanted to bring up this whole thing about uh, how the, you know most media outlets don't take uh, all the candidates seriously. They take seriously the the front runners who I guess are interesting to them. But even if even on uh, George Stephanopoulos, I I don't know if it was this weekend or the previous one, they interviewed Ron Paul and kind of talked to him. But then they throw this you know George throws this line at him. Well, of course, you'll never be elected. Yeah, that guy was a real jerk. Uh, the, the, the interview was fairly good towards the end, and then right at the end, he just essentially gave him a verbal slap across the face. Yeah, they, they basically do that every time. I mean, I mean, because none of them want to, you know, admit that there might be a principle there. They, they just, you know, well, he's he's probably good, but you know, he, he'll never get elected. So it's, don't consider him. Let's go back to, uh, you know, Giuliani or whoever. Yeah, but, it was outrageous. I yeah. saw that. Did you see that one, Mark? I, I did not see. The, I did not see the Stephanopoulos interview. But you know, I mean, if if George was an expert on uh, which team's going to be elected, then you know he'd be in the White House right now. I mean, th- this point. is it's still it's still up to the American people to some extent or another. Yes, as much as the media barring would, the Diebold machines, as much as the media hates that idea, you're absolutely right about that. Wayne, any other thoughts? That's all I got. Thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. Let's go unscreened to the amplifier line. Hello there. Hey. Who's this? This is Josh. Josh, what's on your mind? Um, I was wondering in a free market um, economy or system, whatever, how would you have regulation for food and like from that's imported from other countries? How would the businesses... Well, there would be businesses that would take over the regulation, but... How would they make money? It's an excellent question. The regulation, does, the regulation businesses. How does Underwriter Laboratories make money? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. They, are you familiar with Underwriter Laboratories? No. Okay. okay. To pick up your, go to your kitchen and look at the bottom of your toaster or your blender. 
and you will see the UL logo. You've probably seen the logo before, but you didn't know what it meant. Uh, that stands for Underwriters Laboratories, and it is one of a variety of different testing organizations. There's also the ETL logo. That's a competing testing organization. These are international testing groups, consumer groups, basically, that uh, that were founded in order to help keep products that are that are available to consumers safe for consumption uh, and safe for use. So the reason why your toaster doesn't spark on the inside and catch itself on fire is because because of shoddy workmanship, because of uh, company cutting corners, is because UL took a look at that thing, opened it up, poured out its guts, and certified it to make sure that the design was indeed safe. They hadn't crossed their wires, and they haven't screwed things up. And, uh, and then as a result of that, what happens is when Black & Decker for instance, or you can, I'm giving you this example because it's a real, real life, real world example. You can just take the food business and superimpose it upon it. When Black and Decker, a, a appliance manufacturer, comes to Walmart and says, "Hey, we've got this spiffy new uh, toaster, or we got this spiffy new blender," and uh, Walmart's buyer takes a look at the blender and flips it over and you know checks the UL code, goes to UL's website, punches it in to make sure that it's really a UL certified device. Because Walmart certainly doesn't get want to get sued for selling a bad space heater or something like that. Exactly. They're doing it to protect you and to protect themselves at the same time. And so Walmart verifies that the device is UL certified and they know that, well, great, UL certified it. We don't have to do all that work. So they then put it on their shelves. If it doesn't have UL certification, they're going to tell that vendor to go take a hike. So the same thing would happen in the in the world of food, you would see food certifications. There already are food certifications, like the kosher label, uh, for instance. So does that make sense? Well, I guess I was wondering, the businesses that do the regulation, how would they make money? What's their motivation? They get paid. They get paid by the companies that... Uh, that uh, essentially hire them for the seal of approval. They know that that's the companies that are generating the products, they know those seals are valuable. Without those seals, they can't get their products into very many store shelves at all. Um, you know, the best they're going to do if they don't have that UL logo is like some big lot store or something like that. I mean, nobody's going to trust that product. And so they, it's worth it to them to pay whatever the certification fee is so they can actually sell their product in the in the wide marketplace. Uh, well, also... Um I was listening to, I think, the July 13th episode, and I was uh, listening to you and Mark debate about uh, just a very small government opposed to no government at all. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking that if you had no government at all, what would stop somebody with all the guns just saying, I am the government, opposed to... Great question. It comes up over and over again. We'll answer it um, with you off the air. Thank you. I have the the same one. Appreciate it. Um, To answer the question... It's uh, it's a matter of economics. The point being that the man with all of the guns or the friends with the guns or whatever simply doesn't have the ability to print bills, uh, to print money like the government does today. And so even if he is extremely wealthy and is able to, for instance, somehow quietly hire mercenaries and, you know, somehow very quietly let them know that they're going to be taking over, let's just say, a town to start things out with. Uh, because, I mean, it's very hard to keep these things secret. But let's say he was successfully able to do that, hired some mercenaries, and, you know, they've got guns and scary weapons, and they're going to go and take over a town. Well, he's not going up against any sort of... Um, centralized force. There are going to be protection agencies that he might have to defeat. He may know about them, but he certainly doesn't know how many people in that town have weapons in their houses, how many weapons they have, what kind of weapons they have. And so he doesn't really know what odds he's up against, and nor do the the mercenaries that he's hired. So the mercenaries are going to charge quite a bit for this operation because, well, they're killing their own countrymen for the fir- in the first place. Assuming. Um, 
presuming he didn't hire them from somewhere around the world. And uh, leprosidic dog-eating Mexican immigrant, <laughs> immigrant merc- mercenaries. Yeah, they, they might start doing it cheap, Mark, but as soon as their buddies start dying um, because people are fighting back because they care about their freedoms, because in a free market society, there will be plenty of people that are armed just as there are today. Uh, people will be fighting back, and the mercenaries will start to die. And then the other mercenaries are going to come back, and there's going to be mutiny on this guy's hands unless he ups the amount that they're getting paid. Hey, man, we didn't know it was going to be this hard. Look, we're going home to our families. You can keep your damn money. Uh, we'll, we'll take our upfront money and go home. It's just going to keep the costs are just going to keep increasing. And again, the man with the money doesn't have the way to turn on the printing presses like our current government does. The reason why so many wars happen today in America is because the government can print an unlimited amount of money or just increment numbers in uh, you know in the in the computers mm-hmm. to give themselves more money. That's how wars are funded. Without that mechanism. It's just not economically feasible. Oh, yeah. Taking over a, a, a place even the size of just one state would be outrageously uh, expensive, even if it was some huge company like the size of Walmart. After a little while, their money's all gone. Right. You take it over, but then you have to do what they're trying to do in Iraq. Right. With and, and In Iraq, they have unlimited funds. They have hundreds of billions of your dollars to spend, and they can't even handle themselves against a, a group of ragtag insurgents. Now, imagine how much more difficult that would be for somebody that didn't have unlimited funds. How the hell are you going to keep that up? More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can also join us online, freetalklive.com. The place to go, all the features for free. We've got the bulletin board system approaching 250,000 posts. In fact, we might have crossed that threshold at this point. It was darn close last night. And uh, over six, about 1,600 people interacting. Serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all. All free. BBS.freetalklive.com. Get you right to it. That's BBS.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. And I had one more point I wanted to make on uh, our last caller's question about, well, in a free marketplace, if there's no government around, what will prevent you know, the rich madman from uh, hiring a bunch of mercenaries and coming in and killing everybody. You know, besides the decentralist uh, benefits uh, and besides the fact that he would not have unlimited funds like the government does to wage war, there's also another factor. And that is that in a free marketplace, none of us are under any sort of international treaty agreements. Like, you know, these conventions that these governments sign with each other that say things like, okay... We're going to have a war. Remember, you can't shoot the presidents and the dictators. You can kill the soldiers. In this war, you're only allowed to kill the poor people. Right. Now you you can you can conscribe the poor people to sign up, force them to sign up. You can you can offer them money to sign up, but we're only killing the poor people. We don't kill politicians. Now yep. I think that if wars are going to be fought between nations, it seems to me we should put the national leaders. I want to see George Bush and Osama bin Laden put in the middle of a um, arena with yeah with with, with, awesome. a, with with a with a K bar and one each each of them gets a K bar. Now fight it out, fellas. I'd pay a thousand bucks to see that. That would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, so 
initially, when as soon as somebody got wind that this rich maniac was preparing to launch an attack against somebody, or as soon as the attack started, or whatever, as soon as the protection agencies became aware of this threat to their customers, all of a sudden, whoever the hell it was that was behind this would be ferreted out and would be either taken into custody or absolutely taken out, one or the other. So they're not invulnerable uh, as they are today. Today, governments agree. They've got a gentleman's agreement that says, all right, we'll fight it out with the troops, but just don't assassinate me. Right. In the free market, there are no rules like that. So anybody that, initi- that initiates force in that way would have a serious, serious amount of bounty hunters on their tail. And, uh, you know, private protection agencies, not only would they have their own people hunting these guys down, but they'd probably also offer bounty as well for, to anybody that wanted to go after him, which would include his very own mercenaries, the guys that he's already paid to do all the damage. Hey, Toby, we just hired you to uh, kill a bunch of people. This, this, you know, this mystery mm-hmm. man, Dr. Claw or whoever, hires you to, uh, you know, kill a whole bunch of people, and then all of a sudden you get wind that if you bump off dr claw i'm rich you're going to make a whole lot more than he was originally going to pay you oh yeah because i'm only fighting for money i'm not fighting for some cause that i believe in well somebody may very well be fighting uh for a cause that they believe in i mean you know rich rich mad men have managed to uh get people on their side by uh you know filling their head full of nonsense osama bin laden's a good example um you know but i think that in osama bin laden's case we're doing a great job of uh, doing his PR for him. Right. Well, we were, uh, we, meaning the government yeah. of the United States, was over there bombing and killing and doing that sort of thing. And Osama bin Laden was just able even, to point to it and say, look, look what they're doing. Let's even if killed. we didn't do that much bombing and killing, the fact that, uh, the fact that we have armed military um, in every country in the world, 100, 130 out of 190 UN member states, we, that the United States military has uh, people on the ground, boots on the ground, you know, that's they're an occupying force. Yep, and it's amazing to me that there haven't been more consequences from that yet. Let's continue with the phone calls. Go to Dave in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hey, Dave. Hey, it depends on how many A-10 warthogs you have, I think. What depends? How many you could buy. But uh, really, well, What are you going to do, man? Just annihilate an entire area well, of the population? Then you don't have any spoils. Well, I was just going to say, ever since the exhibition of August 6th and August 9th of uh, 1945, everything else falls short of war. Everything is just a police action. Ruthlessness is the key word. We could have took uh, care of Iraq and all the other stuff if we were ruthless, but nobody, right. you can't fight a war no more, really. The most maniacal of private killers have only, individuals have only killed, you know, a handful. I mean, mass murderers have only killed, you know, handfuls of people in comparison to governments around the world that have killed millions upon millions of its own subjects. And and I, I can't wait until uh, humans realize that we're all captured. It's like... It, it, in the beginning of the gladiator, you ever see the gladiator? Yeah. The Romans are getting ready to invade the Germanians there, you know, and uh, the one colonel says to the to Maximus or whatever his name was, he says, one of these people going to learn that they're captured already, you know? Every, Good question. Unless you got a dang atom bomb, and that's the big problem right now. Other countries are saying no to the, to the way things are going. They're trying to get atom bombs, and... And who wants the atom bombs to be dropping, you know? And then you hear these people that say 
turn them to glass and everything. You know? The only people that want atom bombs to drop are government people, people that are in search of power and control because over Because they're others. afraid they're going to lose their power, and that's the ultimate power, the ultimate Second Amendment, the atom bomb. And, and during the 70s, there was a kind of a headset where we don't care about your atom bombs no more. Go ahead, live in your nuclear fear, drop them. We're going to do what the heck we want. And everything kind of mellowed out, the war, you know, everything. They went to with us, the Star Wars. Everybody was uh, being mellow, you know. Then everybody had money. The 80s came, and all of a sudden everything got too comfortable. And now they're throwing all this fear again at us. Well, governments love that stuff, Dave. They feed on it. The government loves war. You see, the difference between government and... Well, we, uh, parti- we don't have to participate in it. Heck we don't no, have we to don't. be afraid. You know? well, that's and, how and, the- that's, and that's why I like this station, because you know, you're showing no fear. You're telling the cops, hey, clean up. Remember Serpico? I don't know if you ever heard the movie. I know the Serpico. name. You know, a lot, that, that's what's going on with our police state uh, government installation here. You know, it, it, the, all these guys are corrupt, and it's, you know, basically, you know, the, the, like the cops, the lawyers, the clergy, the doctors, and, and the pharmaceutical guys are all, and the oil dudes are all in on it. They're you in know, cahoots. They all sign each other's papers yep. and everything, and we got to answer to all of them and give them a week's paycheck to go talk to them for 10 minutes. You got it, Dave. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll, free line for you. See... Dave's on to something there. I mean, the government, it's interested in continuing conflict. The government is interested in continuing war. That's the its go- business. Right. The it government, grows. The, the government, any government, it is a monopoly on force. So if they're not using force, they're not really doing their job. So they, it, they, um, it, it, it can't grow. They can't grow nearly as quickly. Right. They use force to get what they want from you, and they also use force as an excuse to continue to grow because, oh, there's scary people out there. Other government's going to bomb us. We Look, need to get bigger and make if more we don't, bombs. Right. If we don't need force, if we don't need force to protect ourselves from whatever boogeyman's out there, whether it's the Japanese, the Koreans, the Vietnamese, the uh, I, 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 Guatemalans, uh, who, who was it we bombed over there? We, we went and but got Noriega to Panama. But remember, Mark, we're not protecting ourselves from them. We're protecting ourselves from their governments, allegedly. Mm-hmm. It's a big difference. Now, the marketplace moves towards freedom and a voluntary order and, uh, and peace. The marketplace values peace. People can't trade if there's war going on. Nobody profits from war in the marketplace because there's no profit incentive. When you blow up bombs and shoot guns, you're losing money. That's why I hate going to the firing range. I mean, yeah, you improve your marksmanship, but at the same time, it costs quite a bit to put bullets into those guns. Not cheap. Well, war is the health of, health of the state. That's, uh, I believe, is. Randolph Bourne who said that. And then uh, Lord Acton, of course, famous for, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, famous for pointing out that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, which ties into the last part of Dave's call, you know, pointing out that these people do nothing but increase the size in the, and the, uh, of the state in order to increase the amount of power that they can wield over other men. That's what bureaucrats are all about, is increasing the scope of their bureaucracy so they have more people under their control. They have, you know, their position is more important than 800-259-9231 all bureaucracy and government flies in the face of volunteerism and the marketplace needs to end 800-259-9231 free talk live the show is free talk live only moments remain but just enough time for your call if you make it now 1-800-259-9231 
800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. You bring up what you want. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. All the features on the site, completely free. You like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then become a Free Talk Live amplifier, as have done over 380 of our listeners. You just go to amp.freetalklive.com, learn more about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is simple. You like Free Talk Live? Send us three bucks a month. We'll take that money in and turn it around into advertising the show to getting it on more radio stations around the country and spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide and as fast as possible. Uh, I don't think any other libertarian has ever done what we've done with this show in the past. This is unprecedented. There have been libertarians on the radio before, but uh, none of them have gone this far. And we can go further with your help. Amp.freetalklive.com. You get some perks, too. Read all about it. That's amp.freetalklive.com. To the phones. To the fun. Matt in Massachusetts. Or Mark, rather. Excuse me. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, hey, guys. What's up? What's on your mind? Uh, well, I just first off want to say I, I absolutely love your guys' show, and there's a, a definite donation coming from me. Yeah, I, I okay. Appreciate it. it. What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, I just want to talk about the rising number of prank phone calls that have just been coming in on your show. Yes, the, I don't uh, know. It's not that not that many. We used to we used to get a whole bunch of crank calls, and they were all really good back when we were on the rock and roll station. Yeah, people doing voices and yeah. funny stuff. Yeah, Sergeant Slaughter would call in. You guys are idiots. <laughs> and it was Sanjay, the gas station owner. Sanjay, and Gay the Chris. Ga- Sanjay, the gas station owner, was absolute genius. He was the best ever. Yeah. Gay Chris was pretty good too, though. And what about yeah. the Smokey, the guy who talked like this oh, and smoked yeah. crack? Yeah, crack smoking Smokey. Yeah, yeah. man, that was and great really stuff. The, the crankers we have. Now, amateurs. Somebody needs to do like a, cr- know, a crank like, call anthology from the original days. Like, just put like, together a whole hour's worth of those calls. Nowadays, like Beavis from California, I remember him from a month ago. Like, he's the one that kind of, I believe he's the one that started the, uh, the, remember the sound that they make at the end of their, like, calls, like, E or Yes, yes, we're very familiar with that, yes. It, it's, I, I just absolutely hate it. I think it's ridiculous. And, like, I, I like, it's. It's like I guess it's their signature or something. And well, you know, the kids, you know, kids these days. It's really it's more of a sign of how wealthy we are in society. In that uh, these kids today have all this time on their hands, right? They're not out working or doing anything productive, so they sit around and uh, you know call talk shows and crank them. And they sort of come in spurts on Free Talk Live. And they'll come on and they'll do a few cranks, and then I guess they'll go crank some other show, and then they'll come back a few weeks later and. And yeah. uh, and try again, but man, there needs to be a book or or some sort of tutorial on how to crank radio shows. Because what if it's if it's out there, these guys haven't read it. Yeah, it's like there's like a like it's like they'll surge up. They'll do like one for like a couple of days, and then they'll stop for a while, and then they'll come right back. And I, I I think it might be like a group of like maybe three or four, maybe five of them. Yeah, I think you're right. As I from what I can tell, it's uh, it's a group of people. They talk together on Skype. And uh, they hang out on boards like 4chan and that sort of thing. And you know what? That's fine. Eventually, they'll get a job and they'll get a girlfriend and then they'll go away. Or, the, you well, know, they'll grow up. And I actually think it's like a little bit more sophisticated than just talking on Skype or whatever. I think they're, they're actually like maybe neighbors or friends. Or, and they go over like one person's house. Like they may go over like, Be- like Beavis from California. He may be like the ringleader or whatever. And they may all like call at the same time from different I thought phones. you were going to suggest it was the Bilderbergers. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, thanks but, for the call, Mark. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I thought he was going to quack at the end. Yeah, I thought so, too. Maybe, maybe they cut him <laughs> off too fast. For it. <laughs> the, the board up might have dropped him too fast. Anyway, um, but yeah, man, I mean, I appreciate the the the, uh, the tries, but re- you know, we really should. Somebody should delve into the Free Talk Live archives, because I know I don't have time for this. There's a lot of good ones out there. A good prank call can be really entertaining radio. The board op is, uh, is telling me he did make the noise, so he apparently potted it down into cue so he could hear after, and he did, he did make the noise. 
Good thing uh, Jason's there looking out. Nice <laughs> and sophisticated. So, um, so yeah, it'd be really cool because I don't have time to do this, but there's all kinds of great cranks from our first season that we were on the air when we were on our FM talk station back down in Florida. Somebody really should go through there and get the best of Free Talk Live crankers. That way, at least maybe we could take one of the calls and play it on the air so these guys know what they're up against. This one guy, George, I thought he was hilarious. When was this? In the original season? Yeah, this was way back when. I was listening to. I don't remember George. What was he all about? All sorts of crazy stuff. I don't know. (laughs) Great description, Toby. (laughs) Thanks. Good job. All right, let's talk cigars, Mark, because you are a cigar connoisseur. I wouldn't go that far. I do smoke them. Yes. What do you smoke anyway? Um, you know, I smoke a variety of different things. Uh, There's a a Florida Dominica, which uh, I was uh, I've been smoking relatively recently they're very good but you know when it comes to really uh, satiating my habit just a old cheap habit tampa is fine too so i i can go anywhere with it well you know what you might be leaning a little bit more towards the habit tampas in the future if uh, this new federal tax goes through according to the saint petersburg times eric newman punches the numbers on his calculator and gapes at the results one more time yeah it's no mathematical error the federal government has proposed raising taxes on premium cigars the kind newman's family's been rolling for decades in ebor city by as much as twenty thousand percent as part of an increase twenty thousand percent as part of an increase in tobacco taxes designed to pay for children's health insurance the nickel uh, the nickel per cigar tax that has ruled the industry up until now could rise to as much as ten dollars per cigar hmm. they're going to go from a nickel per cigar possibly as high as ten dollars wow when i saw that i thought it's a joke i saw the headline i thought this can't this is the onion no this is for real they really are going to try this i loved uh on, i was listening to this today I, I heard it on rush limbaugh he's taking credit for it he thinks the democrats want to get him personally for this with the cigar tax I'm not sure in the history of man since our forefathers founded the country in 1776 that there's ever been a tax increase of 20,000%, said Newman, who runs the Tampa business founded by his uh, grandfather. They have the Boston Tea Party for less than this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think they, they have, have the for Tea Party like for one or two percent. Yeah, percent. On the tea. When it comes to tobacco sales, cigars are just a speck compared to cigarettes. Uh, in 2006, 400 billion cigarettes were sold, while only 5.3 billion cigars were sold. But cigars are intertwined with Tampa's lineage, and then they go on to talk about how, you know, there's a thousand people that work in Tampa just making cigars. Right, and um, you see, this is the thing that, uh, that that's going to be left out of it. They're, oh, the children! You know, they, 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 what about the people that are currently working in the tobacco industry hand-rolling these premium cigars? I bet a good amount of them have kids. I bet they do. But apparently they don't kids, matter. What are the, those kids going to do for food when Daddy doesn't have a job anymore? Right, because um, this is going to be a huge dampener on uh, people buying things. It says here, uh, many casual smokers are well healed enough to plunk down ten bucks for a premium puff, but would they pay fifteen to twenty dollars for See, the this, same pleasure? This is the, the the this is where the bureaucrats that that love to uh, impose these things, the do-gooders, they don't realize. They take the current numbers and they extrapolate out. This is what we'd like to get in taxes, and uh, you know, this is how much we're going to have to tax per cigar in order to mm-hmm. get what we want. They don't realize that their tax affects the sale of these cigars. Absolutely. If you incre- if you double the price of a ten dollar cigar, you're going to have the sales. Sorry, that's economics. That's the way it goes. Yeah, I enjoy a, a fine cigar every now and then, but paying double for it, I, I don't know anymore. Says uh, the owner of the business. Says, why don't we just go out of business? Here, you can run our company, Mister Government. I mean, that's going to be the attitude of a lot of these people because once their sales start dropping off like a rock, 
once uh, 75% of the sale price of their cigar is going to the government, you know, they're just, why bother? Yeah. Why keep going? It's the same reason. This is the same crap that drives companies out of the country. It's the same crap that just drives companies, uh, business owners and entrepreneurs to say, screw it. You know, I've made a little bit of money. I've got a little bit of money in the bank. You know, I was enjoying life uh, supplying people with the product and service, but I'm tired of all this Maybe crap. I'll just move to Costa Rica and retire. Here's the source of the controversy. The Democrat-controlled Congress has sought an extra 35 to $50 billion for the state children's health insurance program. The program distributes payments to the states to help buy coverage for kids not poor enough for Medicaid. Uh, cigarettes, and, and again, this, this is the government saying, oh, we've had all these uh, obligations and programs, and we need more money, we need more money. And it never ends for these people. And if we would just let people keep the money that they earned in the first place, then they'd be able to send their own kids to uh, whatever doctors they chose. And, uh, of course, we've already talked about how health care costs come down if you let the marketplace handle it. But now, as a result of government's continued meddling, the prices co- keep going up, and government keeps having to intrude in other areas. Areas of uh, places where they can tax, whether it be uh, alcohol or cigarettes or whatever. Cigarettes, which accounted for more than 95% of the tobacco tax collections last year, the main focus of the bill. Federal taxes on a pack of cigarettes, get ready for this, will jump from 39 cents to a dollar. That's hmm. over a 100% increase on cigarettes. You know, I think they think they can get away with this because it's such a friend. It gets fringer and fringer as you go down. You tax the cigarette smokers. Well, most people don't smoke cigarettes. You can tax the cigar smokers even more because even less people smoke cigars. So there's less and less people speaking up out against this. You're going to see a black market in cigars erupt. You're absolutely going to see it. Already you... seen it in New York with their insane cigarette taxes. There's black market cigarettes for sale on the streets of New York, and uh, of course, people. I mean, Mark, if you can get a premium cigar for ten bucks on or you know. 15 on the black market versus 20 on the legitimate market. What are you going to choose? Absolutely. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the cheaper one. You and everybody else. And so as a result of that, the legitimate business owners are going to go out of business. People are going to start smuggling in cigars, and you're going to have a war on cigars. Right. The average person is going to do it because that's economics. They want to save the $5. I'm going to do it because I believe it's my patriotic duty to avoid every single tax that's out there. And the criminals are going to bring them in because because they're going to make oodles of money. Because I believe in America, and this government is ruining it. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.